Yo, how's it going, guys? Christian Loza here with How It's Done Podcast, and I'm here with a very special guest, a good longtime friend of mine, Chris Sempek. How's it going, man? Hey, great. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Man. Yeah. I'm really glad uh, we got the chance to sit down. Yeah, of course, man. So um, for those out there watching that aren't really familiar uh, with you or your work, uh, tell us uh, what it is you do. Well, right now I do a little bit of everything, but uh, mostly my main passion and focus in life right now is the Kansai wheel brand, so I act as brand manager, wheel developer, wheel designer, sales, marketing, um, do a little bit of everything there. But um, yeah, it's a new venture within the past year that I'm very fortunate enough to head up and uh, definitely a little bit of a brainchild of mine. So we're still in that first year of developing the brand and its uh, aesthetic and look. So we're having a lot of fun with it. But yeah, that's my main thing right now is wheels. But uh, wheels and I go back a very long way. So it's definitely um, something I'm very proud to do. Cool, man. So I, everything that you that you've uh, you know that you're doing right now in your career uh, seems to involve cars. Um, do you do you want? And you're like heavily involved in the automotive industry. Can you uh, tell us about how you got into cars? Yeah, a- absolutely. I um, always probably from a young age, you know, Matchbox and Legos and all that kind of fun stuff. And one of my original passions when I was very very young was probably architecture, okay, and design and sketching. You know, very young, like like unrealistic sketch cartoony drawings like yeah. in elementary school i remember and then uh, i guess i started watching tv and movies and really connecting with cars and i was like oh that's really really neat and then uh, a lot of model cars a lot of toy cars and stuff like that and um didn't really come from my family or anything like my dad didn't have the decked out garage or <laughs> the old muscle car that we were washing every weekend it just Kind of just came upon myself. I've always thought thought of myself as very creative, and I thought that cars were a really cool way to express yourself. And uh, also, along the same time, I will give credit to this, the uh, Discovery Channel, all those <laughs> like Monster Garage, Jesse James. When I was in middle school watching those, I just thought it was the coolest thing. I was really taken by that, and uh, um, getting really excited to get my license. And uh, as soon as I got my first car, I started tearing into it, you know, and uh, getting really into the brands that were uh, available to us, you know, both big and small. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things that fueled me down this path was getting a uh, shift knob from my first car, Acura Integra, from Skunk 2. Mm-hmm. And within the packaging, it was really cool, little cardboard box with the foam cut out and that heavy old school Skunk 2 shift knob. It's like a gunmetal color with the red letters and it got you all excited. Uh, yeah, I got that out. I was like, wow, somebody made this. This is like crafted. This is really cool. Um, then on top of that, I, in the box was a brochure about, about the company, other products they offered. On the back page, there was a little bit about their operation there, like their warehouse and their shop. And I just saw palm trees and a garage door open. I think it was like an EK Civic Type R or something in the background of the shop. And guys working on computers, guys working on cars. I'm like, wow this is something I need to get into. If, this, if I get so excited about one product that early on in my path, I was like, this is, looks like something I need to pursue. So ever since then, just... You were hooked. Yeah, just hooked. I, I thought like, wow, this is really intriguing me. Like, this is an industry. This is more than just working at an OEM or something. This is yeah. like an aftermarket, a hobby that people turn into a job. Racing, you know, is yeah. involved with it. And that was that was the early start there was... And then from your Integra, what other cars did you end up uh, like ultimately ending or uh, owning after that? Well, I had my Integra for a long time. My first car, it was automatic, turned it manual, turboed it, did all the cool stuff um, all over the forums, Honda Tech, NWP, those cool things. Then I started getting into um, 
something my next my next project my next build i actually had a motorcycle for a short bit oh, after cool. that while i was in college uh kawasaki ninja just for a year just uh, thought it was pretty cool but then i sold the integra and the motorcycle and got an s2000 I remember After that. that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is probably right when we first yeah, met. Yeah, you yeah. sold me an exhaust yeah, very yeah. early on. Imports first domestics <laughs> yeah, in Maryland. Yeah. Uh, I think we met on MySpace. Yeah, like, <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, and we're, that's all you had as far as you, you know, your network back then, which was really cool. Oh, Looking yeah. back, it that was, was like, like, like revolution. I felt so cool meeting people from other counties or other states. Like, wow, we're all connected. Like This is like a, almost like a frat, but like yeah. just uh, for a hobby. But that kind of really opened opened things up. So I had the S two thousand, just for about a year. Also, too small for me, but definitely, you know, my love of Hondas was so strong. But at that time, I started researching other stuff. You know, being on MySpace, being on um, Facebook in college early days, you start learning about other people's bills and stuff, and developing a taste for, for other things. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I switched to the Toyota side of things. Got an IS three hundred. Uh, I really looked up to the Risky Devil guys way mm. back when, seeing like blogs, you know, not even Instagrams, but like blogs was really cool. You know how you get like track down blogs yeah. and follow them, and you felt really prideful that I'm following a blog no one else knows about, or you found out about music through someone's blog, and it was really cool. And yeah, I was like, man, IS300, that is like one of the coolest platforms I can imagine. Rear wheel drive, Supra motor, not really, but you know, it's, in the early days, it's what I thought, and then... um yeah, had that for eight years. Wow. Yeah, IS300 for a long, long time. Did it up, did it down, and then sold it eventually. But then I had a Tacoma after that. Very recent, right? Yeah, very recently. Switched over to the Tacoma. Tried the old off-road thing for and a little bit. And that, then that recently got sold. That right? recently got sold, too. So um, now I have a 400. Just has like my little daily. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, trying to get back into something really soon. Kind of taking a break about things. You know, I moved out to California, which... We'll um, talk about for yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get into in a second. Yeah. But yeah, that was, it had a big effect on my life, kind of put the car thing on the back burner for a bit. Had to focus on yeah. career, following what I really, really wanted to do, and uh, worry about having a cool car later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can imagine that when you were going through all those cars, especially like early on in, in, your, uh, in your career, uh, you know, you, you were probably going to like a lot of car shows and meeting oh, yeah. a lot of people. Do you have any, uh, or maybe a specific memory from those times, like in the beginning of all that, that, that has stayed with you till this day? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I probably have more than I could recall in this, in this podcast. For yeah. sure. They've all had their special effect on me. And uh, thanks, thanks to meeting you guys yeah. and the crew and really branching out of state. I think we went to Chicago, Nashville. Yeah. We were chasing Import Alliance. We were chasing the Week Fest shows. Um, yeah, those were some fun on, times. Yeah, they were really were. And getting on the road um, wasn't a drag. It really added to the experience, the camaraderie of like you know, driving to Chicago. That was like to, 16 hours. We left D.C. at like 4 a.m. and got there 6 p.m. with the time change or something ridiculous like that. But um, Yeah, that was a good memory. <laughs> we were grinding it out. I look back on those times very fondly because like you, that's how you get to know people. It's not just the, the couple of hours at the show. It's the dinners before and the breakfasts and the after drive. and the <laughs> hotels and the crappy rest stops. It's all like really a part of it. So I look very fondly back on stuff like that, but also a lot of the local shows, East Coast Honda Meet, you know, uh, with Marcus, mm -hmm. everything he put into that. That was our little backyard show being yeah. from Richmond. And, and that thing got big too. Yeah, it was big. And we had a lot of pride in that, you know, looking back on the early, early days where it was, you know, we were freezing our butts off in the parking lot. We like did them in the winter for some reason in the, the G-Force parking lot early, early on. And um, yeah, it was so cool back then because you just had so much pride, you know, in yeah. every little thing because it was mostly word of mouth, a little bit internet influence, but 
it was really close knit back then. So. I feel that was like before the internet, just like yeah, it was right before. Looking back, it, it seems kind of crazy because you're like, man, we were just really just texting yeah. with old phones. Like we, you couldn't even send photos to each other. Yeah. Like you couldn't text a and photo. It's so different now. Way different, but way better. You know, yeah. and, and we're growing. With Everything's it. so much more connected now. It is really wild, but uh, I really like it too these days because when you meet someone, you already know what they've been up to. You know, for better or for worse. You, yeah. You, you, you get right to the point. It's you like can, you haven't lost touch at all. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it like I said, for better or for worse. Sometimes you know that's not good, but sometimes it's really nice to just hop right back in conversation and yeah. with your closest friends, it's, it's totally fine. You yeah. Know? So, dude, all the whole time while you were doing all this car thing, you were also getting educated. You did a mechanical engineer yeah. at VCU. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So you know, ever since I got that first brochure from Skunk Two back in the day, I was like, how can I learn more about this? What What is this field? And uh, after a little bit of research on my side, it was engineering, you know, mechanical engineering. I took a few classes in high school for technical drawing and architectural drawing, basic, basic stuff where it was like two-day sketching and learning how to read ruler and all that stuff early on. And then uh, we quickly advanced at school. We got a bunch of computers, and they introduced a new program to us called Solid, I mean, sorry, Inventor back then. It was called, mm. it was a program, it was like a 3D modeling program where you could, engineer draw shapes to size and it was all proportioned it's an engineering you know program so started messing around with that and i very quickly just fell in love with this program it was it was 3d you could do anything you wanted um and i sort of blew through all the early assignments because i was just you were fascinated. super into yeah, it yeah i was trying out every button i was wanting to stay late i was asking all the questions i was really nerding out you know i'm pretty proud to say i was nerding soaking out. it all I, in I, yeah. I loved it and um Sorry, yeah. Um, I very quickly yeah. learned that um, why don't I start making the car parts I like? What if I tried making an intake? Yeah. Just, what if I just so I try? Don't, you don't yeah. have to buy it from someone. Yeah. It's yours. Yeah. I just uh, well, I, before that, I just want to learn how to model it, just how to how to make the shapes, you know, and change the colors on the screen. So, um, yeah, I just started messing around. I did a muffler. I did an intake, and uh, I didn't make these things physically. I just modeled them on the computer, and I was like taking screenshots. I was pretty proud. I was like, put put the AEM sticker on the pipe in the computer, and I was like, guys, I made an AEM intake. Like this is <laughs> this like, is pretty impressive. Is, but I was like, what could I do with this? You know, what could I do? And then they, you know, in high school they start telling you about colleges and programs and all the things you can do. And I learned about VCU's engineering program. Virginia Tech has a great one too. Applied to a bunch of schools. Got into VCU, which was only twenty minutes from my parents' oh. house, and. Um, Really love the city vibe down there. I was more of a city guy. So, um, yeah, started going to VCU for engineering. Stuck it out. Really tough program. It's not just making intakes and mufflers. <laughs> it's really hard. It's yeah. Thermodynamics, fluid dynamics, stress and strain, PSD. I could go on and on. The, it was pretty heavy course load, um, but made it through. I was really happy to, to stick it out. And it's a tough field. You know, uh, you, a lot of car guys are in the field. So it's really cool to have that camaraderie and just, uh, meet other car guys who want to do cool stuff. But being in Richmond, you know, the job prospects of the automotive industry within any part of Virginia, it was tough, you know, especially back then. I'm talking 10 years ago now, and I was really thirsting to do something after school. But um, did all I could within the college you know, as far as more computer modeling classes, more. We switched to SolidWorks at that point, so no, no longer Inventor. They're sort of like the two main competitors in the field. Was that a hard crossover for you? Like since no, you were the, spending so much time on this program before? No, like, like I said, like the, the two programs are pretty much competitors of okay. each other. So they, they're similar. Yeah, they're similar. They, 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 
it's almost like PC and Mac. You could figure it out pretty quickly. Yeah. So I sw- I've been on SolidWorks now ever since college, and uh, uh, now I own a, a copy professionally and personally that I've done a lot of freelance work with back in the day. But yeah, that that's my program, and that's probably the favorite thing I took from college was okay, cool. um, learning that program. Yeah, this is pretty. This is pretty pretty like rhetorical question, but how how do you feel that 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 your your college education helped with your career today? Uh, it's definitely respected out in the out in the world. I, I know that um, people have mixed feelings about college, and uh, if you have a certain plan in mind, you know, great. If you have an entrepreneurial vision and you want to go after it, if you could find funding on your own. But as far as you know, college is still extremely valuable, um, especially to myself. It opens a lot of doors, uh, especially applying to jobs early on when I was trying to find my way in the automotive industry right after college and stuff, you, you got to start making money no yeah. matter what you're going to do, no matter what your grand plan is. Yeah. You want to start getting experience, getting, um, getting things done. And yeah, I, I think it's, I, I respect my own degree very, you know, very much. I think it's, it's done a lot for me. I, I wouldn't take it back. I learned a lot from school, made a lot of great connections. Shows That's always important pro- about college, yeah. Yeah, it shows you the professional side of, of your industry and, and what could be out there. You never know. You could learn about a new field. Yeah. You, um, I learned a lot of cool stuff about nuclear power that just great to know in the world. You yeah. know, it's not like I'm ever going to pursue that field, but the things you pick up, it, it's very, very useful. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed going to VCU and all the connections I made um, and all the car people I made, you know, staying around town and just throwing my own little meets and stuff, my own little car club. It was very, very fun. So, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy having the degree and also, you know, using that to open doors moving forward. Yeah. So, dude, um, I, I interview a lot of artists uh, and people who have a lot of technical skills on my podcast. Um and 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 the, the, whenever we talk about education, like I, I I can't always help but ask people. So I'm gonna ask you, what's your take on education versus learning it yourself? Like, do you, uh, do you think that like um, that somebody could get by in your field with just learning it yourself, or do you think that like education is the only way? Like, what's your take on that? I think specifically for your line of work. Oh, for yeah, I think there's a healthy dose of both. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you want to have that backbone for sure, and uh, it does help. You know, a lot of the times when you're meeting or you're trying to make your way in an industry, you're meeting people who also have degrees, and um, you gotta have that too. Yeah, know? yeah. For for better or worse, you, you'd like these people's respect, and you'd, you'd like to let them know that yes, you do have this certificate that you've gone through and taken the steps. I think it really does. It really does help. But you know, uh, in my own experience, I what I was really pursuing was 3D design and, and engineering modeling, and there wasn't a ton of that at my school so um definitely taking it upon yourself to expand your knowledge and um do whatever you can to, to get into what you want to do if you got to do some freelance work if you have to do work for free which i did a little bit of for sure in Absolutely. the early days i wanted to do automotive design and, and things of that nature so i would hit up buddies who had little companies do little projects for them i don't care if it was a bracket or something i wanted to do something on my computer that could be made in some way and that Got me a lot of pride and built a little portfolio And a lot of experience, too, yeah, yeah, experience. You just want to start doing stuff. Yeah, I don't, absolutely. So, yeah, having both is, is great. And the, um, the other plus to having that degree is having a fallback. You know, like it, you never know what life ha- what happens in life, you know, moving forward. So having that degree doesn't hurt if you ever, you know, want to get a really solid nine to five so you can build while you're building. I, I, don't, I don't 
think that's any you know anything to laugh at. I think it's yeah. really really important to have both, and I think both have their place. Yeah. So, dude, you had a very successful education at uh, VCU, and you took a lot of it. You know, are you soaked that all in, and you like you know just really Absolutely, hit the ground yeah. running? Um, if you could redo schooling all over again, would you do anything differently? Like, I think so. You know, yeah. I, I, early on, right when I got out of school, I. I learn that what I was into and what I also what I struggled with in school some of the more intense engineering classes um didn't really quite apply to what I was going for it was hard to tell in the moment it's really hard to tell um while you're going through it but looking back I'd probably say one thing I'd like to have explored a little bit more was probably industrial design okay which is basically engineering without the math you get to design cool products and display them and find out how to communicate your design ideas then the engineering and artistic way i looking back i kind of learned about that after college but i was like man if i knew about this in high school maybe i could have pursued that yeah. because it was a it was something that sparked your interest but possibly maybe a little bit too late yeah a little bit right? too late but i, I definitely respected i'm like huh but at that time at that same token you know it comes with its pluses and minuses it's like would you rather have the engineering degree with the math and all the hardcore skills or also the ability to pers- you know uh, uh convey your engineering ideas through you know, visual means that they both have their their purpose, but um, I don't regret what I did. When, you know, once I'm yeah, very satisfied. That's a good love, thing. Love, love my engineering degree. Love meeting other engineers. Love talking nuts and bolts with people. And um, like I said, it, it continues to open doors because you never know who you're going to meet out there. But um, yeah, looking back, I'd probably say it'd be, it would have been really cool to check out industrial design. Cool, man. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah. So you graduated school. You you know, started your professional career. Do you mind giving us sort of like a basic rundown of, 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 you know, what you did professionally, like after school, like maybe like where you worked and then what cities and stuff. Oh, yeah. Just give us like a, you know, a story. Like, yeah, 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 sure. I'll, I'll give you the, the cliff notes version. So <laughs> in college, we were just um, required to get an internship that applied to some sort of school credit. So you couldn't just do whatever you wanted. You had to get something that was approved through the school that worked. And there wasn't a lot of automotive industry in Richmond, honestly, like it's, the I mean, no discredit to the advising staff at VCU, but they're like, "Have you tried the Richmond NASCAR track?" You know, I was like, "Oh, no yeah. thanks." I don't think they're making anything there. I think it's more <laughs> of a venue. But uh, you know, no, like I said, no discred- discredit to them. But it was, it was, it was, it's, it's hard. It's, it, it was a little bit hard to guide in the early days. So I got an internship in energy management uh, for school. Um, energy management is huge. It's like it, you know, lights, buildings, building systems, electrical controls. Like making stuff for that? Uh, no, just monitoring oh. and uh, watching energy usage, cooling towers, air conditioning. Uh, VCU and its medical campus have large energy draws, and um, there's a department at VCU dedicated to that. So we did an energy management internship, which rolled into a full-time job right after school. But mm-hmm. during that time, um, I kept that as, hey, this is this is my 9 to 5. You know, I'm going to take my nights Better things will come. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to take my nights and weekends to focus on what I really want. Um, and which was designing stuff. Um, did a little bit of side work for Fortune Auto, the coilover company. Know Terry and the guys there very well. Uh, early, early on, we would we would grind out and do some coilover design on SolidWorks. I would literally work all day at, at my day job and then go there at night and grind out and make brackets and all sort of um, cool visuals for them. And, um, yeah, at that same time, I was sort of exploring wheel design. So, um, yeah, then... Uh, Shortly thereafter, moved to New York, worked for a company called D2 Forged Wheels, and uh, was up there for about a year, and then shifted things to uh, set my sights on California. Cool, man. How was, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that move and, and then, you know, 
you know, how it was and all that? Yeah, it was um, definitely a, a, a big risk uh, going with a, a smaller company in a foreign state that I uh, only had only been to for vacation and, and small trips. But, um, you know, and convincing my parents was a, a little bit of a, of a sell for sure. But um, yeah, I was very excited. They were, they were make, you know, uh, doing forge wheels up in New York and in surrounding areas. But um, yeah, definitely took, uh, took everything into consideration. Um, Loaded up the car and went up there and uh, started working for them, shooting cars and then designing wheels for them, uh, forge wheels for the exotic market, Ferraris, Lamborghinis. So it's quite the difference than watching energy usage on con- <laughs> on cooling towers and air conditioning for high rises. The getting thrown into New York, Long Island, Brooklyn, chasing exotic cars. That shooting. must have been a really quick change of pace. It was quite the change, but I was ready for it. You know, I was feeling a little bit, you know, in your hometown, you always feel a little bit stifled. You always feel like a little bit, you know, if, when you, if, you, if, you have, if you have an idea for yourself or if you have a drive, you're like, I got to get out. I got to see the world. I got to I gotta get into what I want to do. So yeah. I, I definitely felt that fire burning within myself and just had to get out and, yeah, Took a chance and, and went up to New York. Didn't know anybody in New York and the surrounding areas. Instagram was early on then, so maybe knew a few people. But uh, yeah, I got thrown right up in there, and I was so excited. You know, New York City, it's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's where everybody wants to be. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's a tough place. And just, yeah, quit my job at, at the school, which was there you know sad to see me go. But I was like, you know. Um, it's time to move on. Yeah, I, I gotta, I'm going to go try. I got to get into the car industry somehow. So it was... It was adventurous to say the least, and you know, got settled in up there and got to be around a lot of cool cars. But the the biggest takeaway I think from going up there was all the cool, I'll, I'll, for lack of a better term, I'll say tuner. The tuner culture that I met up there was just thriving. You know, it's a new New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. It's really a melting pot, and you would think at first there's not really a car scene up there. You know, how could there? But it's like, just a bunch of people scattered that are in the car. Yeah, and it all comes together. And I think we've all seen like what you guys done at First Class Fitment, like. There are cars up up around that area that are really tucked away and cool, mm-hmm. but that, that's sort of the mystique. They're kind of hidden throughout the city, but they all come out for the right reasons. So yeah. that was very, very exciting, motivating, and exhilarating. Yeah, Breaking out of Richmond for a little bit, seeing something new, really getting into that scene and, and soaking that up. What was your favorite thing that you that you did like day-to-day while you were there? Just designing wheels. That yeah. was my, like, my duties were a little bit split there between doing photography and then also a little bit of graphic design and coming up with new concepts. But the, the thing that I was always pursuing, always in the background, and always finding a way to work in was wheel design. Like, making them to the right specs, to the right colors, right lug nuts, like, really nerding out on even some of the boring stuff, like the back of the wheels. Really, like, I at this point, I had my own personal copy of the software SolidWorks, so I was able to bring my laptop up there, hook it up to a big screen, really just nerd out on making wheels. That was my absolute favorite part was uh, thinking of new concepts, really trying to uh, expand my mind in that. In that and, and you were making like your own designs, yeah? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, like outside of work that you would ultimately later on become like yeah. Pack wheels, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, right before in New York, we had uh, I had two sets of wheels that I made just on my own, freelance, I guess, if we want to back up a little bit. So yeah, right as I was working at the school, uh, as I was doing stuff for Fortune, I really saw, um, I was really inspired by the brand Rotiform and all the de- the designs they were coming out with. And I was like, man, these is like, wheel design at that point was kind of like an old school art form. You didn't know where wheels came from. You just, 
you just took them as they came. You and saw I, them and you were like, that's cool. Yeah, you, you didn't know anything about them. And, and Rotoform was the first brand I saw that was a little bit more transparent. It was like of the Instagram age, you know, where you could like see the founders. You could like see the designs come to life. And you're like, wow, this is... They were very transparent about who they were yeah. and what cars were getting their wheels and like what they were doing. Very clever with marketing. That Their first video with, with Dubcore was just fantastic and uh i had buddies coming to me saying like wow like what is this company where's it coming from and i was really taken back by that and been like wow this this is something that could you know they're just machining wheels i, I got some ideas too let me let me get on my computer i want to mess around so yeah I, I had solidworks that's an engineering program that's what they were probably using yeah, too, yeah. It's, it's very similar i'm like well I, I could draw an intake i could draw a wheel and especially multi-piece wheels where the hoops and are someone else's you know mm. the hoops come from ccw or other vendors so you just get those files and you're just designing the center and i i love that i'm like this is like cool it's like almost like designing shoes it's like <laughs> it's engineering it's artistic it's it's expressive and it it meets a function so all those things coming together um really got me excited and i was doing my own stuff putting it up on my facebook putting it up on my myspace on my instagram in those early days just showing people what i'm into and um yeah i Caught, caught the wind of a couple of friends who wanted something done for their cars and they commissioned me very early on. They said, yeah, I, my favorite set of wheels till this day is Steven Noop's S14 wheels. Yeah. It's the green, dark green S14 with the LS1. And I've seen that car sort of come up through the Virginia Beach car scene and seen it at drift events. And him and I linked up over Facebook and shared a few ideas. He shared with me that he wanted an OZ Futura that was concave but it had like almost like a uh, L- Volk type center lug bowl to it, so it didn't have a cover cap to OZ for sure. And we drew up a few concepts. We went back and forth, and he's like, "So you think we could have these cut, have these made?" And I said, "Yes," not knowing how I was going to do it, <laughs> but I said, "Yes, we can." So I made real, actual blueprints, every nut and bolt, every hole, every angle you could. I made real blueprints, took them to every machine shop in town. And I said, hey, I want to make this. It's it's aluminum. You guys cut aluminum. What's the deal? And I knew nothing about the process. I just jumped in feet first, or head first, I should say, and <laughs> heart first. And I said, you can make this, right? Everyone laughed me out of their doors. They said, no, we don't have any tools to make this. We don't have a way to hold this kind of metal. Where's the metal coming from? Who are you? Are you, are <laughs> you a are company? You? And I was like, no, I, you can make this, right? And I, like, I very unashamedly walked into very grungy, old machine shops and said show them my blueprints and when they finished laughing they said no uh you can go find someone else so yeah uh but luckily you know early on i had terry at fortune they were doing a lot of aluminum components for their coilover stuff so we we linked up and they found a machine shop for them and we cut those first centers for uh steven noop and um terry took a set of your wheels as well Terry, right? yeah that, that's the second set mm-hmm. terry uh very Early on, supported my dream. I was in his office, you know, very late at night. We were, we were grinding out together, and he was working late. I was working late and just helped him out. So, yeah, I he, he caught wind of what I really, really wanted to do. I'm, like, I always like to say you should be very vocal and let the world know what your passions are because otherwise no one knows what you're into. You got you to gotta get that out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, Terry was uh, another customer at that very same time where I would draw the wheels. We, we got them cut. I bought the hoops and barrels from CCW, full price, full MSRP, like no no breaks, nothing. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was kind of wild, but they were the only place that 
had hoops and barrels listed on their website. You could just buy it. Sort of, a, it was sort of a dark art back then. You had to have like a a business account or some sort yeah, of yeah. Nobody was thinking about like that really. Yeah, right? it, it, and the, like this is ten years ago now. So people, it was really kind of tough to find rim parts that were just on the shelf that you click buy without calling around to a bunch of places. Especially within my capacity back then, I was just doing this on the side. So I was trying to find uh, what I could find, but. Yeah, bought the parts in CCW and put them together uh, in the garage and sealed them up. Very proud of them. And yeah, those were the first two sets of wheels uh, while still working my day job. What yeah. was it like seeing like the your 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 you know something that you designed on a computer screen and spent all this time of finally like being on 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 two cars? Like, what was that like? Man? Absolutely surreal, fantastic, and that that very. Uh, come to life process that you're talking about there that's what fuels me today still like is that computer screen to car wheels like having that ability to to make that change and make that thing come to life that is the ultimate feeling that is my favorite part of any build any wheel cast or forge that is the coolest part to me to this day so yeah that that very first feeling that i got seeing that on the car and you know, seeing pictures of it and seeing it at shows and just around the Richmond scene and where I was from and really meant a lot to me. It really is. And it still does. So yeah, it's a fantastic feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. My favorite feeling. That's cool, man. That makes me happy to hear. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, 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 it's all passion, all love. It's very, very cool. And being able to meld the two engineering and sort of my creative side come together in the perfect way to be when people can express their cars and their tastes with what i can come up with it's really really makes me feel great cool man yeah so so you were doing that off to the side while you were like working and stuff so um tell us a little bit about like what you what then happened from you going from uh d2 forge and then you know keep and then you kept going on in your professional yeah career. yeah so i made those two sets of wheels uh right before heading to new york and i really wanted to learn more and at the same time i had met uh the guys at d2 at first class fitment believe it or not yeah Oh, I didn't yeah. know you made that connection. Though. Yeah, because of your show. Yeah, that's, that's why that first class means a lot to me, too. And uh, they were a brand from New York, so I would have never met them otherwise. So, um, yeah, um, did those two sets of wheels while working my day job. Learned a lot, but wanted to learn more, you know. And, and being in Richmond and being in Virginia, there's not, like I said, not a lot of automotive industry, not a lot of automotive influence. So um, I was like, well, what, what could I do? Keep making these, you know, wheels one by one. Um just in Richmond or branch out and work at a wheel company and learn even more about the sales side, the marketing side, the logistical side, you know, because um, the customer service side, the fitment side, which is everything. Um, and I said, well, I made these two sets of wheels. I feel pretty good about that. But I think for my future, it's probably a better idea to work at a place that actually does what I'm trying to do and be very transparent about. It. I've always been super transparent. Like, I love to work with you guys, but I want you wanted to soak, more. Yeah, I want to soak up all I can and maybe think about my own line one day. One day, you know, let's let's not get too crazy. So yeah, that, that was a big part of the move to New York also was a new environment, new scene, but also learning about the industry through a, a smaller brand, which was great, you know, have that have that intimate connection to a, a brand that did exactly what I was trying to do, make forge wheels or make wheels of, of any kind for that matter. So, um, yeah, uh, met the guys at First Class Fitment, and then I think within a year and a half, I was working in, in New York. Yeah, so made those two sets of wheels and then went up to New York and then went all around there. Uh, learned a lot, met a lot of great people still to this day, a lot of great connections. Um, 
Halcyon photo, Anthony Purcell, who him and I worked there side by side. It was fantastic. I had never met him before, and that was one of the best connections to come out of working there. We really bonded over our love of tuner cars and tuner culture, and he took me to a lot of great things around the New York and New Jersey area. Yeah. And I just said, wow, there's a whole, whole new world out there. But I will say, along this whole time, my photography really helped open a lot of doors, yeah. too. I Photography strictly as a hobby, you know, just really, I, I just love cars and love pictures from documenting my own builds, documenting my friends and their cars. It really meant a lot to me to just shoot as much as possible and have people share my photos on their page. And uh, I started going by my last name at that point because it was a little bit more unique. And that's what I made my Instagram. And that really, really helped out. I think um, people, just, there was such a thirst for photos and, and cool stuff back then. I was just doing what I, I loved as a hobby. And you guys helped me out a lot with that too, with being able to share some of my content on uh, your on the Can I Beat page mm -hmm. and on Instagram page, on the Facebook page. And uh, I loved the photography so much because I wasn't doing it for any money. All this all this just street for the, photography. For the love, yeah, man. I I I didn't I almost didn't want to be paid because I just wanted to be purely for fun because this as soon as you start getting paid, you're like, Oh, you gave me ten pictures, I wanted twelve. Ah that yeah. takes all the art out of it, it for me. It, like, and it takes away the fun. Yeah, like I, I, I took this shot because I really liked it and just for me. And if you happen to like it, great. But I mean I'm I'm really just doing this for me. So yeah, photography was a big part of those those early New York days too. And then, you know, after about a year in New York, I really started setting my sights on getting out to California. And um, I don't think I could have done another New York winter. It was a little Dude, rough for me. Yeah, it was harsh. I'd never felt wind go through my shoes before. <laughs> that, that's when I knew. You had to okay. get the hell out of there. Yeah, I kept, a, I kept a broom in my IS300 because I was brushing snow off my car three times a week. I kept a snow shovel in my trunk. Because I was digging my car out three times. I only lived there for one year. Were you commuting far for work? No, about 10 minutes. Uh, so and we that's were, enough, right? Yeah, that, that was enough. But uh, the IS300, man, I will vouch for that chassis. That thing has a snow mode, and that thing works. Like, I was trucking through snow, rear-wheel drive on just regular tires, but I had a lot of fun just trucking that little car around. I had that car for eight years, and it's been through some winters and everything, but I will fully vouch for that car. Full side note there, but... Um, yeah, setting my sights on California meant re, you know, reshifting my priorities and, and getting things straight and, and saving up some money. So, yeah, headed back to Virginia for after a year and hung out with my parents for a little bit till I figured things out. But, um, yeah, just started applying to jobs in California, trying, trying to get out there. Did a little bit of uh, side work here and there, but took that time just to, just to restructure things, think about what I wanted to do. Did I want to make more forge wheels one-on-one? -on -one? Did I want to take on more clients on the freelance side of things. But ultimately, I had to get my sights set on, on the big picture, which was California. So you decided to pack up your things and, and, and you hit the road, right? Yeah. So it was, what's really interesting is uh, as soon as I got back from New York and sort of settled in and returned the U-Haul and did all that stuff, I started getting on online, just looking for jobs, just typing things in, Googling, you know, just wheel design, looking for wheel design jobs. Because I knew that California was sort of the motherland for that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, absolutely. I was like, man, how can I get out there? But you, you can't get out there without a job. It's so expensive. You know, yeah. you can't just wing it. You can't just, it's not. It's risky. It, it is risky. But uh, on the third day of being home at my parents, on my parents' couch, I um, found a, a job position for wheel designer freelance. Uh, it was on the SEMA classifieds. If you don't know it, 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 within the automotive industry, the SEMA organization does a great job of classified sections for anything from sales to marketing to engineering to management. 
uh, it's a very professional organization where you can find job listings called classifieds on their site, and it was just open. It's just you don't need to be a member or anything. You don't need to have a business, or you don't need to. Not like the SEMA show where it's industry only. This is open, and uh, I learned about this in college, and uh, yeah, I found a freelance wheel design job there that I was able to do that first summer being home from New York, and it was fantastic. That's where I was able to sell wheel designs from home per design. It, it was just uh, a I had found the field I was looking for, but it was cast wheels. It was not forged or there was no um, three-piece, multi-piece, none of that. This is cast wheel, so it's big volume, and you just sell wheel designs by style. Like if you just do, you do one design and you sell, sell this to a company. And what I was specializing in that very summer was truck wheels, mm-hmm. something I had never done before, but I gave it a shot. I was like, I'd, I'm trying to get out to California. What can I do? Truck wheels is what I get into that first summer. And then... Picked up a few freelance clients from the SEMA message boards and stuff like that. It was just a, a great resource. And then I realized that a lot of my clients that I was working for were in California. So uh, after a while, I was like, you know what? Uh, I have some money coming in now. I'm freelancing, which is great, which is what I was used to with the other SOLIDWORKS stuff. So um, after you know making uh, a, quite a bit of connections and figuring things out, I said, well, I'm going to load, load up my car and just drive out. Yeah, I'm just going to head on out after a few months. I said, I think uh, I keep these uh, gigs going and I'll be able just to live over there. So that's what I did. I loaded up the car, like just like you see in a movie, all the boxes, and uh, booked an Airbnb for one month till I figured stuff out and just drove on out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And then what, what, what was that first month like? The first month was still continuing to apply to jobs because with freelance, like I'm sure any freelancer knows, it's a little bit feast or famine which is uh, very common for any sort of design gig. There's usually uh, design seasons, especially for the wheel season. In, in the wheel industry, there's usually a, a developmental season. Things get displayed and launched at SEMA. Then they worry about, the wheel companies worry about selling wheels between SEMA and like um, tax season. That's when things, and they, they revamp development usually within late spring over the summer and then all over again. So um, knowing that, I sort of had a, think of a backup plan at least get a a, a steady job another nine to five going out in california so got to california took four days to drive out there and then got to my airbnb and just applied to a bunch of jobs every day i tried to apply at least 40 or 50 jobs i don't care if it's craigslist or monster indeed linkedin apply 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 Uh, anything relevant to solidworks um eventually found a really cool job designing uh store fixtures um, oh wow i didn't know that yeah store fixtures for those of you who don't know is Basically, furniture for st- retail stores. So anything from you know, a couch or a, a so cash like shelves wrap, and stuff, yeah, shelves, yeah. displays, anything funky. If, like we had to figure out how to hang a motorcycle from a ceiling for a store. Like these are, uh, it's an engineering job, and it's uh, it was fantastic. I was able to use SolidWorks and get that nine to five, continue freelancing, and set up my life in California. Wow, man, that's cool. And then. Um, uh, how did you ultimately uh, ultimately land end uh, working up at Raceline? Yeah, so uh, continued freelancing for sure. Well, I had my nine to five for for quite a bit just to get set up, get some steady money coming in, which I think is always important. Um, started freelancing once that design season swung around again. Um, started freelancing a lot for one company in particular. This was Raceline Wheels. It's a truck brand and a passenger car brand based in Garden Grove, California. Um, 
ended up doing a lot of projects for them. Uh, fortunately, so much so that they said, "Why well, would you please come in for an interview? Maybe we could talk about some long-term projects and things like that. So yeah, uh, luckily I was able to turn a freelancing gig into a full-time gig and have a desk at the offices there and sink into any developmental things they would like to continue with their wheels of their various product lines between trailer, off-road, truck racing, UTV, side-by-side, ATV, passenger car, snow wheels, steel wheels, forge wheels. They had uh, quite a diverse product portfolio, and I was able to sink my teeth into all the departments there uh, right away. I was was thrilled to just um, expand my design from just the truck stuff that I had sort of come accustomed to to all their lines. And what great. and what was the title that they gave you? Like, what were your some of your like roles and duties? Like, yeah, the title is uh, wheel design engineer. You know, uh, again, having that degree really did help establish yourself with the company. Um, they said, "Oh, great, yeah, we have uh, a lot of design needs here. There's also a lot of engineering needs. Uh, well, along with wheel production, it's not all design and, and fun artsy stuff. There are hardcore blueprints between behind every wheel design, every lug nut, every." Um, valve hole stem everything has to be checked there are you know sea standards there are dot standards there are wheel making standards that have to be kept so a lot of the job on the back end is reviewing blueprints coming up with um corrections and notes for various factories and various forms of manufacturing and um just developing product within the scope of the company so yeah wheel design engineer was my title there and still is my title today cool uh, what 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 is your relationship like with your colleagues and customers? Uh, I I'll always lead with passion, so um, it's great working with within a field where you're so passionate about because it makes things all a little bit easier. Um, meeting anyone else in the industry, usually they have a, a, a an interest in vehicles or transportation of some kind, so it's a lot of fun um, meeting customers, expressing my love for cars. Being in California is fantastic because it, you're living in car culture and weather like you know, weather heaven. It's, it's quite, uh, quite uplifting just to go day to day there. But, um, yeah, it's just, I, I love meeting new customers. I go on meetings big and small and always just, just try to lead with my love of cars, design, engineering. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a great way to meet a lot of really, really interesting people out in California. At your job, do you uh, have somebody that like oversees you, or do you just have like complete creative, con- like you know? Control? Yeah, we like to work out as a team. You yeah. know, I I um am sort of the meeting point for a lot of different departments. Um, not every department has their own designer or engineer. I, I definitely take on the responsibilities of uh, curating each sort of sub brand's um, needs. So like, there's a trailer department, there's a off road racing department, there's a passenger car department. So all, all those sort of channel through me as far as the concept generation, uh, blueprint review, and notes process. So uh, yes, uh, while it is very multifaceted, uh, we're very fortunate to have the owner of the company uh, be an owner-operator within the building. So definitely been a mentor for myself. Great. That's uh, always the best way to like grow and just kind of soak information in from someone that's like... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I will always respect anyone seasoned in, in their field. It's uh, fan, I think it's fantastic for anyone to, to soak that up and just really um, you know be receptive to that no matter what industry you're in or, or what your goals are. Having someone in your corner um, at any level is just really, really motivating. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, it's a smaller company, so about 50 to 60 people, including the warehouse. So it's, it's intimate. It's, we don't get lost in the numbers. You can't really hide in the weeds. It's, 
it's uh we all work very hard for the various departments and uh, there's a lot of autonomy for sure but um being part of a, a smaller company means a lot to me and uh i really like uh having my voice heard and getting ideas out communicating design ideas i really enjoy explaining um why things are so i think a lot of designers find themselves in situations where the client might not necessarily um you know comprehend the design choices that were made but as long as you're able to back it up with you know the reasoning and a little bit of explanation it, it goes a long way so i definitely do that every single day i like to say it's like an architect that where someone comes in and says all right i want an open floor plan but the architect will say well we need some beams here and they're like, well i don't want beams no i want this open like well you can't really have a 50 foot span and yeah you gotta you gotta it, it's definitely part of any designer or engineer's uh relationship strategy is to explain to that, that's where you, really where your value comes from too because you want to be able to communicate your design ideas pros and cons to a customer who's ultimately might be their idea or their customer's idea and i think in the professional world uh that explanation really goes a long way and it's sort of a uh, a skill that i'm learning every day and i think um, a lot of designers and engineers and a lot of other professions can relate to it you're definitely tested and you know have the opportunity every day to just ex explain and explore your craft and work with people it really helps you grow as yeah. a, as a and that's always important as an artist and a professional absolutely yeah and um being able to meld those two i think can really really take you far yeah so dude one thing that i um as an artist struggle with is you know sometimes you get through those grunts where you're like not inspired and mm -hmm. and you kind of just need like you know inspiration absolutely what do you normally tend to, to to turn to uh to get your inspiration to kind of get you going and motivated yeah I, I think i have two two main approaches um either diving into the same field and looking at other brands that you look up to looking up to other industries that might have some crossovers you know i, I really enjoy the shoe industry i really enjoy the fashion industry things like that photography uh, I'm very I'm very visually motivated, so like watching things like Top Gear and really really well done high performance cars, I really really am inspired by that. But um, another thing, so that's the one thing I do. The other thing I do is just completely disconnect. You know, the ideas will come to you after you know you, you overthink on something, then you take a break a day or two later. Like a lot of the my hobbies involve the outdoors, so like I've been surfing a lot this summer, or biking, or going camping, and that's where Sometimes your best ideas come when you're just completely disconnected. So mm -hmm. you, either I'll go further into something, but related, but not really, or just completely disconnect, and then it'll it'll come to me. But yeah, it happens. You're yeah, right, man. Absolutely, it, and you have it's it's always important to know what you know can get you back on track. It is important. It's almost like a tool. You know, like you, you kind of feel it coming too. You're <laughs> like, man, I uh, I've been on a roll. Lately. Yeah, I've been on a roll, but uh, I'm kind of stuck on this. And uh, any artist is, is pretty tapped into themselves. You know, like, oh man, I'm I'm, I'm being that again. Uh, yeah. I gotta. All right, what can I do? What what's in my tool belt? How can I how can I break this funk? What can I? Maybe there's a favorite movie I want to watch or something new I need to expose myself to. But it happens. Yeah, it, it it's a real part of having to be creative and on point all the time and really, you know, knock some projects out, big or small, you know, favorable or maybe something that's new to you. Uh, it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's a very real challenge. And I'm, I'm faced with that constantly, which also helps you grow, I think. It really, yeah. those ebbs and flows really pull you out of stuff. And it's crazy how you'll, like, work super hard on one thing you're stumped on, 
come back to it a couple of days later, you're like, oh, what was I thinking? Like, yeah, you just was, needed that like yeah, little like, break. Like, look, a second set of your own eyes. You're like, why was I thinking green for that background? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, like, that, no, that, happens, that doesn't work. That happens to me a lot. Like, you're, you're, sometimes you're your own worst enemy, your own worst critic. You could be so tough on yourself. It's but. crazy how we as artists know notice things that nobody would even notice. Absolutely, about. yeah, and uh, that's why we're so hard on ourselves sometimes. He's like, oh, man, what was I thinking? <laughs> Jeez. Yo, how long have you been di- uh, surfing for? I didn't even know you were into No, I just that. started this summer. Okay. Yeah, How'd you I, get into it? Uh, well, living in California, you see it all the time. It's, it's like surf capital USA. And growing up, I always thought surfing was really, really cool. But, you know, living in Richmond, you're two hours from the beach. <laughs> I wasn't a diehard uh, chase the waves person growing up, but uh, definitely had fun in the water. But finally getting settled out in California and, and relaxing and and viewing it, I was like, huh, that'd be a pretty cool hobby to pick up. It's outside. It's active. You're in the sun. I love the beach. And I love the ocean. Granted that the ocean on the West Coast is a lot colder than the ocean on the East Coast. <laughs> I was like, man, I, I want to get out there. So, um, yeah, I actually talked to my boss one day, and I very uh, uh, candidly said, well, where can I take some lessons? And then he started laughing at me. Uh, uh, and as soon, like I said, as soon as he finished laughing, he said, why don't you just buy yourself a wetsuit for the $100 that you were going to go spend on lessons and uh, just go try it. Like, you just borrow a board of mine just to see how it goes. And then, yeah, uh, tried it. It was horrible, awful. I couldn't stand up. I was flopping around out there. I got exhausted just from paddling out. That was two years ago. But still, I bought a board. They have these boards at Costco. They're called Wave Storms. Hmm. They're like 100 to 150 bucks. It's like a giant boogie board. It's nothing cool. It does not look cool. It looks kind of dorky. But it's a foam surfboard, and um, you can buy this thing for ex- extremely cheap on Craigslist. They're like forty bucks in California. It was just enough for you to get the like, the like, yeah. fundamentals and balance yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. So I bought this board and immediately put it in my garage. Never used it for a year. Like you know, I had the best intentions. I was like, oh, I'm gonna start surfing. Like any new hobby you haven't done, you're gonna buy something, and then it, it slips away from you almost instantly. And uh, yeah, I, I threw it in my garage, and then this summer came around, and I was like, you know what? I need to. I was hard on myself. Like, I got to get out there. I got to try that. I was always like, I don't have anyone to go with. I don't have one. You don't need anyone to go with to start a it's new just hobby. You, you can just and go. The water. You can just go. So yeah, I just started about three months ago, and been going once a week ever since, and finally got the hang of it. And man, it's it's been a great escape for those crazy days because in California, you can go after work, and it's it's a pretty vibrant scene, and I go to some pretty mellow spots because I'm just learning, but. Um, yeah, man, I, I've been uh, really soaking it up and, and enjoying this this new sport. And Sounds new hobby. fun. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And um, uh, I'm by no means going to go pro or anything, but as far as having something cool to do after work that isn't going to the gym and lifting weights or a treadmill, being out and, and using California, I like to say, is, is pretty cool. Pretty cool perk of living there. Yeah. And, and then you said you also have been really into, uh, into, into like camping and outdoorsy yeah, stuff, right? Yeah. Now. Being in California also, you know, it's like the weather's always good and you can go two hours into inland and you're in some pretty sweet mountains, snow capped streams and pine trees and really cool stuff. And then Yosemite's not far off and then some really good snowboarding is out there too. So yeah, I was just, that was my next question. You're really into snowboarding too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I've been stepping it up for sure. Got a better board. Since I've been out in California and a lot of great hills out there, a lot of good mountains. And um, I snowboarded quite a bit on the East Coast, but um, moving out of California, finally getting settled, I was like, man, let me get into some hobbies that um, aren't exactly work because I tend to work quite a bit and really kind of get lost in the work sometimes. So it's great to break away. And being in California, it offers you so many opportunities to just yeah. 
get out and do some really really cool stuff so you're uh, working for raceline you're getting you know inspired by being in california and doing things like you know camping and and surfing and all that stuff and you know you're on a roll with your, this new job uh, tell us how how um the idea of uh Conte wheels came came into uh into into your life yeah absolutely i um you know i had been working at raceline at that point about four years and uh, was involved in projects top to bottom, from private de- private label deals for a lot of customers that uh, maybe some of the brands that this scene is familiar with, you know, using our factory connections, going to a lot of design meetings, re- reviewing lots of designs, bringing them to life. I really got a feel for the entire process, start to finish. And um, we were looking to expand uh, the, the Raceline portfolio with more house brands, maybe... Uh, People might be familiar with like MHT has mm-hmm. Rotiform, Foos, uh, different sub brands for different categories. You, you know, you don't want to just be one giant brand. You want to offer a lot of things. Yeah, you want to offer some boutique services and more targeted brands. So uh, we were looking for a way to do that. And I, being that I very passionate about this community, very very heavily involved with the tuner culture, for lack of a better term, I said I got an idea. Um, I can design the wheels. And come up with a name, but I have an idea that I pitched to the company that said, I have a subcategory that I'm very passionate about. I, we could make this work. I'll prepare a present, uh, presentation, and we will go from there. So, yeah, so about a year and a half of development work behind the scenes of pitching the idea, reviewing concepts, reviewing names, exactly you know, targeting a market that not only I was passionate about, was also a viable market because... A lot of great markets out there, but not a lot of them have the, the marketability or the customer base or the platforms to really be successful. So I, after a ton of things considered, I really honed in on the Japanese enthusiast market, preferably rear-wheel drive, and then more specifically the drift market. Seeing a lot of um, other brands that were very, very well-respected in the same field, I said, there's a lot of great brands out there for this community, but there are no new brands. And the brands that are new tend to leave a bad taste in people's mouths, whether it be their designs or whether it be their quality. So there needs to be a fresh take on this market that could be really enjoyed and almost like a throwback brand to some of the wheel designs that people really enjoy, but definitely with a fresh take on it. So definitely wanted Japanese, definitely wanted performance-based, definitely wanted high quality. And uh, after a lot of names, uh, we came up with Kansei. Uh, and the name itself might sound foreign to a lot of people, but it's, it has two-pronged meaning. So at first, it's an engineering philosophy, meaning thoughtfully designed and engineered with the consumer's feelings in mind, which really resonated with me because I loved the entire process of in- in influencing someone's feelings or how they felt about their product based on the design. I think it means a lot to a lot of designers that, you can influence exactly how someone reacts based on your artistic vision. And then it was also a drifting entry maneuver. So it had like a really cool, and the name was very unique. It was short, which I always like. I think yeah, short that, names it, are, it rolls off the tongue quite Yeah, well. it's unique. I think it would stand out well with any type of SEO. And it, it sounded like, like nothing else in the marketplace. And I think uh, after a little bit of deliberation, like on are people going to know how to say this? Is this really a viable option i felt very passionate based on all the research i did is that this is the name we want to go with we this fits uh i people really enjoy sort of a foreign name it's catchy you want it that unique factor you know 
a lot of a lot of easy names we thought of you know um you, you don't want to go easy you want something a little bit unique so Kansei is the name we pick and we we stuck with and we came up with a really cool logo um picked out a, a custom font for it and it really made it look chose our color sort of an off red and um it just stuck man it really looked great on all the boxes and all the, all the design work we laid out all the business cards we did we did it all right we laid it all out we restarted we rehashed we really thought of this and um yeah after that year and a half of developmental phase and we made the wheel designs and uh just went for it man went for yeah. it at sema uh, last year yep yeah i was gonna i was gonna bring that up sema 2018 uh uh raceline uh, wheels booth launched uh Kante wheels yeah how did that go yeah we, we were well we we're very fortunate knowing that this was a new boutique brand from the raceline portfolio so we we definitely strategically positioned a section of the booth for this new brand of course you know this is a place to meet customers uh more than just a car show, SEMA is an industry-only affair where customers, buyers, other markets, everyone comes together. So we felt it was very important to have some real estate on the floor for this new brand that people could see and touch and feel. And when you see, whenever you see a new brand, it, it's, it's tough to get a to hone in on it. You don't know what it's about. You you got to have the wheels there. We thought it was paramount to have a display. So yeah, we were fortunate to catch a little sliver of Raceline's booth in the central hall and. Got a really fantastic 89-240 from our friend Diego Najera, a pro skater for Adidas. And he let us borrow the car, and we, we did our display. We did the backdrop. We really uh, had a lot of fun making some new Forge wheels for the booth and, of course, debuting our Flowform wheels. And uh, we were met with a very warm reception. And it was, it was definitely an all-out sprint towards the end there. SEMA is, for anyone who knows or works in the industry, it's, you know, last minute, always a little bit crazy. And I think I was running around Vegas, getting a car wash right up to the last minute. Definitely look back on those times finally because it, you had to earn it, man. It was, it was, it's a tough show. And that's what I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. Getting all together was, was fascinating and, um, launching it. I think SEMA is a perfect platform to, to launch something like that. Now, not all brands are fortunate enough to do so because the, the cost per square foot. So we were very fortunate to, to piggyback off of Raceline's booth space. And uh, really launch it properly, official. We wanted something not to be, you know, ran out of someone's storage unit or fly by night. We wanted to establish this brand as a real brand backed by a big company, just a new subsection of it, very targeted with lean, leveraging all of Raceline's great manufacturing abilities and warehouse space, centrally located, Southern California. Uh, really want to let the world know that this is a real brand. You know, this is not. Um, something new that's fly by night this is we wanted to give it that polished you know real aesthetic that we were here we're going to be here a very long time we're here for this community and uh SEMA was a great great place for that so uh Conte wheels successfully launches via the Raceline wheels booth at SEMA 2018 what was your biggest takeaway from that show the biggest takeaway I think for me was uh the warm reception that people were saying we were looking for a brand like this. It, it was very comforting to say like, yeah, this, this is like a really cool take on, uh, on this, this type of uh, market. Because like I said, a lot of the brands before were just older, you know, like yeah. the OG brands, Volk and Enki and all the, all those, all those cool old brands. They're fantastic. They're yeah. really, really cool. But no one had that sort of young, youthful, almost back to the like Rotiform. You know, mm -hmm. they were also rightfully so a throwback brand to the Euro crowd, 
and uh, brought back a lot of really cool styles in their own way, which I really respect. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Like, there are a lot of really cool OEM wheels that kind of are, like, super hard to find and rare from the 90s and 80s. Rotiform did a really fantastic job, like, bringing that back to the Euro cars that if you had a brand-new Audi or something like that, you want that. Audi has kept their aesthetic and their DNA very similar to the 80s and 90s, so why not have a wheel brand that complemented that? And I thought the exact same thing. Why doesn't the Japanese mm-hmm. car community and beyond yeah. have sort of that same sort of take on that sort of branding and that sort of wheel, uh, not, just a, not just a brand, but a, a lifestyle brand that definitely supported uh, the sport and the, the hobby and the customers. So I thought Kansai could be a, sort of a, an homage to that sort of branding and bring back a whole new vibe to the scene as far as uh, Japanese performance wheels. Yeah. Cool, man. So um, on the topic of events, uh, tell us some of the events that that you attend like professionally. I know we're going to talk about like events that you, you know, attend oh, like, personally, like yeah. personally, but I know you guys are really involved with like the, the Baja 500 and you recently went to, uh, to spring fest for, uh, to represent Kansai. Yeah, and then yeah. we're, we're, you're going to do a little something for first class. Club. And do you want to, uh, Talk about like just specifically those three shows or any other ones that you are involved in uh, professionally. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. For Kansai, yeah. I mean, that first year, it's, it's very important to get out in front of people and not just be like some Instagram page. Like, and fortunate enough, being in Southern California, we have access to a ton of grassroots drift events, which was really our core market. And we have a lot of great backyard tracks, whether it be the Grange, which we call Apple Valley Speedway now, um, and we have you know Willow Streets of Willow, Button Willow. Uh, Formula Drift Series comes there twice. We are hitting all of these events super hard and being that grassroots brand, being supporting drivers, being on the scene. So those, those first couple of months, we were hitting it hard with um, being out at the Grange, having a booth, getting a van, you know, setting wheels up, handing out flyers, handing out stickers, really campaigning, um, which was very important to get customer feedback establish a face for and the just brand. see what people overall think of oh of yeah that was, that was yeah. very important early on like we wanted to nail it as far as cups customer reception it was very important to come across like hey we're car guys too we had hired a sales guy brian at this point and we're we want to connect with people and, and have a face to the brand i think more than ever in this day and age that we're in people want to connect with the brands they're supporting they want to know who they're getting their stuff from, whether yeah, it be if they don't know who's who who's like working for that brand or who's part of it, then like they don't feel like they're part of it. Yeah, as well. yeah, they want everyone wants to feel a part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these bigger brands, like we, we we can never feel like we're a part of Adidas or, or Nike, but uh, but there's a lot of great boutique brands out now that are heavily marketed and leveraged through social media, and this is the time to really be a great you know influence and associate yourself with a brand and just become the face of that because people really respond to that and i think um it helps with uh brand identity and and branding and just uh living that sort of aspect that that you're trying to promote it really you know customers very really respond well to that so going to all these shows and we also try to hit the indoor tuner shows that are very popular right now tuner evo uh week fest all these kind of things are, are super important to try and straddle the line between show and go a little bit of both maybe uh more so on the drift side but we definitely enjoy going to a lot of the um shows and events around southern california and then also spring fest yep which is important very important show to me because being from virginia growing up going to that show with my is 300 in the early days really meant a lot to me and the virginia car scene really has a ton of heart a lot of passion 
a lot of great people. Um, the laws are a little bit more lax than other states, so you can kind of get away with stuff. And a lot of cool JDM right-hand drive cars coming online now with the R32s and the JZX90s. It's a really cool time for people to be getting these old-school Japanese cars. I say old-school kind of lightly because it is early 90s. We're not talking 70s and, and 80s, but it's a really cool time to, to launch this brand because th these cars are coming online. And, um, yeah, you'll always have your OG brands, but I think uh, something new could have been really, really complimentary to the market that we're in right now. Yeah, man. And I think the timing is great, too. I feel like it like you know the scene kind of needed something fresh and new like that yeah and well, we're happy to provide that like i said like uh, we we felt the same way like all, all 1552 is a newer cool brand and then rotiform is a newer cool brand and i'm like man what, the japanese crowd there is nothing for them mm -hmm. like what, what what's it going to be so um yeah we we want to be that man we want loud and proud we want to be the brand for the people for the community stand behind our products and uh meet meet the people see our products used and abused and help out in any way we can yeah, and you, you, uh, your final tar show, first customer, man. Absolutely, the last yeah, one. can't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went to the very first one, so yeah. I got to come to the last yeah. one. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what you have planned for uh, for that for the show. Yeah, we have something very special planned. I uh, did something very different this time around. We're going to um, do a set of wheels for Kamal Tascant of Super Life, uh, his Aristo. It's, it's super cool. I, I met it early on in my days in New York. And uh, was taken back by this car. Super unique. He's, he's sort that of roof like is cool. <laughs> yeah, he, he does like the, he mixes so many different styles: the the, the low rider style and the uh, Japanese style and the metal. He's sort of a craftsman and an artist in his own right. He's definitely made a name for himself, being um, into what he's in. He has his own studio now. He does very very cool cool work. I think what he does and the brand he's built for himself really complements the Kansei brand and what we stand for: being individualistic and creative. But also being very serious and and taking, um, you know, definitely, um, like I say, taking the elders into respect in sort of a way, like the you know, definitely respecting Japanese culture and and doing it right. So, yeah, we we, we did a collaboration wheel together, which is our famous KNP uh, with a new engraving on it, which we'll see at the show. We did a fully fully polished set of wheels, and I won't get too far into it, but we're debuting this at First Class Women, a place known for quality, a show known for top-notch builds and very unique style and a place for that's in my mind probably the best show in the country for this scene thank you <laughs> I, I always tell people up and down on the west coast until i'm blue in the face there's nothing like first class fitment people come out from all florida canada it's like it, it's up all up and down the east coast it's a big deal and i really want to do something special for the show and i think um it's gonna be really neat to see yeah dude I, I, I cannot out. wait yeah, to see I, that and uh more so, I, this this wheel project I've sort of been documenting on my Instagram all the way. Yeah, through. I've been watching closely. Yeah, I thought it'd be really cool to just display a wheel all the way through that people will see at the show, and I, I do this on my personal Instagram because I really like to show behind the scenes of the wheel process. Yeah, not, that's important, man. Not a lot of people get to understand that. I, I I mean, they get to understand it, but not a lot of people get to see that. I think it's it's very important to know where like this particular set of wheels is forged two piece. So. People just think you just press a button on the computer and then the wheel pops out. But nope. I really said, well, I'd like to lead up to the show with a little bit of a, a behind the scenes of every step of, of the wheel getting made. And um, I think people are going to really, really enjoy seeing the final Yeah, product. man, I can't wait to see that. That's going to be, like, really cool. I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very, very excited for, for this to, you know, really blow people away and, and show these wheels and you off. guys are going to you're going to be documenting this too as well yeah right? absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh what a great show with so many photographers and videographers at the show but 
um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really, really unique take on how wheels make it to a show. Yeah. Uh, as far as social media and just kind of steps along. Are the you going to like fly with the wheels and and, and bring them uh, to the car? No, I, I've done that before. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. Think, we're going to uh, talk about that as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. No, I've done that before, and uh, no, this time we gave ourselves plenty of notice. Plenty. Of, we we worked this all. We did it completely right. We reached out early. We really came together. So um, yeah, th- this will be shipped in plenty of time. Tires mounted ready to go um yeah but yeah I'll, I'll be there and we're gonna have a really really fun time at this cool, last man. show closing it out cool man so so uh you're obviously like you know doing a lot of stuff with with Conte wheels and, it, and it's really flourishing and it's starting to like you know pick up and stuff have you shifted your your attention at work completely to that or are you still juggling like race line stuff yeah so that? that's a little bit of the um situation i'm in i definitely do both for sure, I, I carve out the hours in the day yeah. to make it happen. By all means, I, I am very passionate about both my roles at work. I, um, so yeah, I, I make no compromises as far as my other duties. I do it. I do it all. And with Kansei being a sort of like my baby and definitely my project, I'm intimately involved with uh, and quite instrumentally involved with the social media, the content curation, any any uh, new wheel designs, the forged wheel design and engineering. The programming, the manufacturing in the in the back with the guys, the polishing, uh, the catalog layout, the graphic design, v- you know, very involved. You're all with, over the place. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, I I call myself just brand manager, but I, I really uh, have a particular look and a feel and aesthetic for the brand that I need to curate. And especially in the first year, it's very important to keep everything consistent. And I have an eye for and a vision for what I like the company to look like. So yeah. Um, Definitely doing doing all I can to make everything happen within those twenty four hours a day. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really enjoy both roles and really uh, have big big plans for Conse. Cool man. So on the topic of Raceline, uh, what what would you say is like your favorite event to do with with Raceline? Oh man, uh, there are quite a bit because Raceline. Yeah, because you guys are involved with a lot of. Yeah, stuff, they right? are. Yeah, and uh, we've been very fortunate to go on a lot of really cool adventures with Raceline because it's it's an off roading brand yeah. at its core. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I enjoy that personally. So, yeah, we've done a lot of cool trips, just to name a few, like going down to Mexico, which uh, being from the East Coast sounds a sounds a little bit scary to me <laughs> at first because it's uh it's a foreign world, you know. And, oh yeah, absolutely. But living in California, the the two are, are pretty much you know joined at the hip yeah. uh, more than just physically it's they're quite integrated with each other and it's only a three-hour drive from where we live to be in mexico so the race series the baja race series in baja california is wildly popular in california we don't hear about it so much on the east coast it doesn't really translate over to here i think a lot of people enjoy the trucks and uh, some of the players and see it on social media but out there it's really a way of life and in uh, the way we think of H2O and town takeovers That's here and, and Sowo, it's the same thing over there, but just an hour into Mexico Drive and towns get taken over, get shut down, trophy trucks and, and stuff. Um, the contingency is, is pretty wild where they line all the trucks up the day before. and do. Yeah, I've games. seen your, your coverage of that. And also I got turned into the to the live stream, like uh, I think it was like a couple years ago. And yeah. it's pretty crazy. Yeah, Raceline's a, a very big contributing partner to the series. And uh, we get to enjoy going down there and, and seeing the race. How, how do you guys contribute uh, just for anybody who's not familiar? Yeah, so Raceline is, you know, being a wheel manufacturer, is the official wheel of SCORE, mm. the Southern California Off-Road Racing uh, organization down there. And yeah, we, we are a proud wheel sponsor for the program. And um, being, the, being a title sponsor in that category, we're very involved with their publications and their releases and, and their press and 
having optimal boost space down at the start line and the finish line, it's, it's, it's fantastic. So Raceline has been doing this for three years now and going down there and campaigning. Because um, it's really the proving ground for off-road truck wheels. It's um, the hardest race in the world, uh, arguably besides the Dakar series, you know, 1,000 miles in Mexico, all off-road. Yeah. It's pretty brutal. And um, that's sort of the benchmark, especially out west. That is as, where desert racing is, is king. It's definitely a, a very instrumental proving tool for any, any wheel brand or any off, actually off-road parts component um, manufacturer out there. It's, yeah. it's definitely a series you'd want to be a part of. Yeah, man, I've heard good things. So, dude, you're always going to all these events, whether it's like professionally or, or, or you know, on your own. And you're, and you're always like, you know, one thing that you're always doing when you're, when you're going to these events or whatever you do, you're always taking pictures. Absolutely. Photo- yeah. Photography has been, yeah, yeah. been a big part of your, your life. Um, can you tell us how you first got into it? Yeah, I think it was, um, yeah, back in the Honda days on, on the forums and stuff, it, there would be build threads, which I thought were really cool. Like people were documenting almost every nut and bolt with, with little instructions sometimes of what they were doing to their build. Like, oh, how did you figure out that reverse gear problem? People were taking their transmissions apart and like probably using like Microsoft Paint to like <laughs> circle things. And it was kind of crude in the early days. And I thought, I want to make a build thread. I, I'm, I'm going to build my car out. I want to I be cool. I want to show what I'm doing. So my first Integra, man, I would document the build series uh, for myself and for the forums. And I, I really got into the sort of the documentary side of things. But uh, after a while, you start branching into more artistic stuff. And I think one of the first things I figured out on my very first camera was night mode, mm-hmm. which was just like a, a very like rudimentary way of just doing a longer exposure. It's like completely auto settings. Mm-hmm. And I think the first one I did, I realized it came out pretty blurry. And I was like, oh, but I need to get a tripod then. So I started, night photography is always my favorite, still is, because on the things you can create and the things you can see that with light and, and timing, it can really pull off. But yeah, just messing around with my first car, my first couple of cameras, super cheap Best Buy, Best Buy <laughs> tripods in the early days. And going to, also going to as many things as I could, just taking pictures yeah. for my space. Yeah, it's been kind of cool to see your work like evolve over the years. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's definitely, I think I've only been through four cameras. Uh, I keep it pretty simple. Do you, do you want to give us like a rundown of like your first setup and leading to your current? Yeah, I, I, it hasn't been too big of a change. I think for my high school graduation present, my parents got me a Sony. It wasn't a point and shoot. It was like one step above a point <laughs> and shoot. I don't know how, how quite to describe it. It was a black camera. Yeah. And then from that, I, I quickly researched, well, I need to get a DSLR. Like I said, that, that's the next step. I think I got a D80, mm, I think yeah. was the first camera. And now I'm Yeah, that the, was my first camera too, yeah. ironically. And uh, I started messing around with that. And one of, my, one of my first trips to California for vacation, I met, uh, hey, Mikey, you know, one of our good friends. And he's like, you need to shoot in manual mode. And I was like, manual mode? What's that? And then... It was, spiraled from there. Yeah, it just spiraled from there. I was like, well, I I really got into the settings and tweaking things and yeah, timing. dude, and you've been doing like ever since. Yeah, and then I found out about flash photography, which I you know really you went got for. like really big into that. Yeah, you got, still are. I yeah. got one flash and I got two flash. I got I learned that Nikon flashes all can talk to each other with no special equipment. Like it, it was fascinating to me, and I had my light stands and everything, and I was hitting every show I could, and 
just doing that out of love, like you said, just shooting, shooting, shooting for my friends so they could have cool pictures yeah. of their cars. Did you have any type of schooling or, or classes for photography, or are you all self-taught? No, yeah, all self-taught. Yeah, that's, I, that's I cool. never did any film or any of that stuff, darkroom stuff in high school. I just got into it just for my car, like just to supplement my car hobby, just to help document things and catch what my friends were doing, and just kind of went from there. And I still, to this day, love photography more than ever yeah how how important do you do you feel photography is to the automotive scene and like what you do for a living oh i think it's massively important do you do you feel like you would you would uh you would fall a little short if you didn't have that skill and you were doing what you're doing no not necessarily i think a lot of people can can get by without but i think nowadays a lot but it definitely helps oh absolutely i think it's tremendously helpful as far as conveying your ideas and and marketing something uh knowing how to show something just right really goes a long way for displaying a certain image or conveying something but um yeah I, I think it's just anyone should really um if you're thinking about getting into photography just try it yeah you can buy a camera yeah. you don't don't feel bad that you oh i'm not i'm no good at, how about just start doing it you know like nothing and then learn back. and then learn from there yeah learn as you go or just start with your phone you yeah. know and and don't go too crazy on the filters though do you th- do you think photography has changed a lot since you've gotten into it like automotive scene wise or it has and it hasn't yeah. you know like um there's still only so much you can do, but definitely, you know, post-processing has come a long way. People are really... That's how you, you develop your style, yeah. Yeah, people are really getting into... I've always been more on the natural side myself. Like, I never really got into, like, all, 100 layers for one photo. I just like to, you know... <laughs> Keep I, it as I, I actually never really even got into shooting raw. Like, people say, oh, you got to shoot raw. I, I was like, I kind of like what I got. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want to go home and turn night to day. Yeah. I, I, I like this photo. The way you worked to get what you shot and you want yeah, to keep it as close is, to possible. Yeah, this is how it looked when I saw it and this is how I like to convey it. I don't need to add fog or <laughs> a fake galaxy sky to it. Like this, this, no, this, this is how I want to show it. I, I'm not, I don't want to be a graphic artist. I want to be a photographer. Mm-hmm. So I've always kind of stuck, stuck to that. I mean, it worked for a lot of, a lot of great people, like a lot of, High-end work comes from tremendous amounts of post-processing, and a lot of it's super tasteful, and you can't even tell. Sometimes yeah. you're like, "Wow, like where where is this warehouse?" Like, "Oh, that's like all CGI." You're like, "Wow, that's really impressive. That really conveys a strong statement." But yeah, for me, just speaking on my personal style and taste, yeah, I, I love natural light. I love I love the photography that I do, and uh, it definitely helps a lot when, when you're building a brand or, like I said, trying to convey an idea or a story, like. Um, it's very important to a story. Yeah. I think it's paramount to a story. What other subjects are you into shooting besides uh, besides cars? I would. I really like nature photography. Like especially living in California, we're so spoiled. It's all with, over the with, place. With waves and mountains and all kinds of really really interesting and vast vast places. The desert, but um, I just like exploration stuff. Like the trips my girlfriend and I will go on. I'll shoot those things. Uh, I always like to say the best camera is the one you have with you. So a lot of times it's my phone. So I really enjoy just documenting little things as I as I go. Things that I find interesting, cool views or how the light is hitting something just right. I'll just snap it with my phone or uh, edit edit in Lightroom real quick. Throw a little preset on it. That's all I really do. I like to just document things, tell a story. And one of my biggest things is always like it's really cool to share your experience with someone, even if they're not there. Make them feel like they're on the on the journey with you. I like to do that with any event that I'm in, any kind of cool trip that I'm on. I'd be like, man, I, I really love sharing. It's like, I love coming home from a trip, telling people all about it. And, and for them to maybe experience it one day too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm re- I, and that's another thing. I'm like, you have to go here. Like 
you have to see what I saw. Like my pictures are great. They might get you there, but I, I really, I, I really enjoy sharing experiences. And just if I see something cool, I want other people to see it too. Have you ever dabbled into shooting like events at all? Weddings? Yeah, I did a few or? weddings early on just for friends and friends of friends. It wasn't really my, it wasn't really my gig, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do some portrait stuff here and there, candid stuff, but yeah, just, um, oh, I, I will say other things I enjoy shooting while well, I lived in New York. That's a, another total muse, like, the buildings, exploring things. So yeah, I remember your photos. Your, your, you got a little bit into that, like urban exploring. A little bit, type yeah, thing. it was yeah. big back then. I, re- I remember that from your feed, man. Yeah, early days. I, uh, some of those long, cold winter nights, there's no cars to shoot, and I was in a new city, and I wanted to get out and explore. So I met up with some other guys that were in the same thing. We had our cameras, we had our tripods. I wore my snowboarding jacket because it was just brutally, brutally cold. So brutal. But um, yeah, got got us through a lot of cold. Uh, got us through that cold, brutal. Cal, uh, sorry, New York winter was getting out and shooting cool stuff. I really loved the urban scene. That was cool. I really looked up to. Yeah, it was. It was kind of funny now that I think about it. Looking back, how like your feed just like changed. I was like, yeah. that's so cool. I like to document where I am and yeah. where I'm living. But yeah, when it when it was when I was in New York, it was definitely all you know, grimy, grungy city stuff. It was. Um, and then it like changed. Yeah, when it, you went it, to it New morphed, York. man. And I do some stuff around Richmond. I do, and then now it's every trip I'm on, I'm just documenting, man. I, I, I really enjoy just seeing, getting a feel for a place just through pictures. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like you do that very well. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm a little bit hard on myself, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I like to, like to think that I have a little style that I've curated and a, a take on things that definitely, definitely is my own. Yeah, man. So dude, social media plays a really big role in like your everyday life, Absolutely, personally yeah. and yeah. professionally. Uh, can you tell us like how, you know, like, you know, about like what you normally tend to tend to use it for yeah I, I like to use it on uh, use it for anything that i'm working on or anything that i anything that i'm doing to get the word out i i really enjoy the following that i have um however modest it might be but uh it's just great for networking it's like your own little mini portfolio it's like a very very casual unprofessional linkedin you know you you, you want people to know what you're about um whether it be you know meeting a new person for the first time or Getting in, getting a gig as a freelancer. People want to look you up. Like, people need to know a little bit about you just through a couple of pictures, and it's sort of your own little mobile portfolio of where you've been, what you've done, um, the events you've been to. You, you just want a little, a small online reflection of yourself and what you're into because that really helps convey yourself to anyone out there looking to work with you or network with you. Um, or just keep you in their circle. I think it's very... It's important to keep up with it, too. It's very important, yeah. People want to know where you are, and I think it's very important to keep always keep it professional, especially the older you get or the more you know focused you get on what you want to do. It's it, it can be used for a lot of great things, but I think as far as if self-promotion in a very tasteful way, it's very important. People, like I said, for myself in particular, I want people to know I'm the wheel guy. Like, <laughs> I want people to look at my page and say, oh, oh yeah, this guy stuff. designs wheels. Yeah, that, that, you, want, you want one sentence about you, and that Instagram should always serve that one sentence. Mm-hmm. It, it, it should be what you're about. Like, oh, this guy, this guy gets really cool shoes. Like, this guy is into shoes. Or whatever your thing might be, let the world know so it can be easily referenced or easily pulled up or easily shared mm-hmm. because... You never know where it could end up, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Is there is there a, uh, a goal that you have for 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 the for the wheel company right now? Like, is there something that you have your eyes set on? Or yeah, I, I think we're going to really expand and become a, a, a sort of like an NK. I'll say that very loosely, but um, yeah, we want to cater to more fitments. 
cater to more finishes um, and just get on newer cars and older cars. I think we're really going to grow the brand to have something for everybody as far as uh, fitment goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, obviously the people can probably hear the cars in the background. We're here, yeah, right? yeah, we're here we're in the H2O. Ocean, H2O, yeah. Ocean City. I, I believe that was the last time you and I saw each other, right? Since now, since now I, I want to say. I think so. Or maybe you came out to LA one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how long have you been Have you been going to, uh, to the show? And uh, tell us like what it means to you. Oh, man. I think I've been coming here about seven or eight years wow. it was when i uh, i hadn't heard being from virginia i oddly enough hadn't heard of, of h2o because i was i was more of a honda kid yeah. not really a, a yeah it took kid. me a little while to, to yeah, touch on to it's definitely i think still today from the cars you see driving around still very german based like uh, uh, as far as the strip goes but you know with social media the word gets out like yeah. it's Hey, you got a two thousand, but be. you're still coming. Like, oh, can I go? Like, yeah, you're coming. Yeah. We're all rolling. You know, we all have different cars. But yeah, I, when I moved to New York and I was working there, and I, when I had met Anthony Purcell Halcyon, he uh, we were working side by side in the office, and he said, "Hey, I'm taking off a few days. I go down to this thing called H2O. Do you want to roll?" And I said, "What's H2O?" He's like, "Oh, it's in Maryland." I'm like, yeah, "Come on, I, I'm from Virginia. I know everything that's going on." He's like, "No, no, you, you got to come." I'm like, "Where is it? It's Ocean City?" And I said. Uh, never heard. Of it. I, I don't know why. I, I, being from Richmond, near Virginia, I just kind of was doing my own thing. Burrowed into the Honda seat, like those early days. For better or for worse, you were into what you were into, and you and didn't, that was it. There wasn't no like crossing over. Or yeah, you weren't on forums that weren't to your needs. Yeah, like there was no Instagram. Yeah, when that when that uh, bridge was gapped, like or when when they like when everything started sort of connecting, yeah. and you started seeing like mm -hmm. a lot of different makes and models. Uh, come to the same like events that was like kind of like a really good shifting point in the it was scene, and I, I, I think blogs like yours mm -hmm. and blogs like stance nation where it wasn't it wasn't it was multi fat it was multi-disciplinary multi-platform based where it's like you know air suspensions coming online people are bagging different stuff things started started mixing mm -hmm. in a really cool way and just, much like myself growing up as a honda kid going to toyota like that was a big thing to me i was like i'm honda for life you know when you're like 16 17 and you're like you have such a brand identity. You have to identify with, with brands because when you're 16, 17, you have nothing. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're like, you don't really have any taste. You live with your parents. Like, what are they going to do? Like, <laughs> you don't really have much of an identity in the world. So you kind of cling to the brands you're presented to, whether it be from your family or your friends. But the internet really opened that up and like really helped you see, like, wow, like that bagged uh, WRX looks kind of cool. Like, or that, you know, that is kind of cool. You, you definitely grew, like, you, you just grew to expand your taste through the internet and like i said in those early days when you're on the forums and stuff you're you're on the honda forums you're not going on vw vortex you're not looking at other forums you're you're kind of into what you're into and i think it took blogs and more of like a privateer approach to expanding media that really got people interested in cross yeah. <laughs> cross platforming yeah and then um and then events like this so yeah, so so he took you to your to your first one. He brought one. me down here. Yeah, we hopped in his gold Sebring and uh, we cruised down here, and it was like a religious experience for me. I yeah, that's like, how I always tell everyone. I, I, it was lawless. Those early days, I make it. I'm not an OG to the H2O scene by any means. Like I said, just getting into this. What was your first year, like year wise? I don't. It was a year I was living in New York. I think that might have been 2012. Okay. I yeah, think. my first year was 2010, and I even feel like I was late. Oh yeah, I was super late to thing, and there was already drift cars here. There was. There Corvettes. Yeah, there it, was, it wasn't where it was just like I wasn't around for the strict. No, I was not. I was never Volkswagen. OG Volkswagen person. Like it's, none of my friends had Volkswagens growing up. It was and where I was living in the scene I was into it was mostly Honda. Hondas, it was, yeah. It was Honda, Toyota, that kind of stuff, Supras, and uh, but I think 
uh, we all met at the great at the at a good time because the Volkswagen thing was kind of morphing into the everybody thing at H two O, and that's how you guys like you and I find mm-hmm. out about it. Yeah. We're like, oh, we're gonna head down there. Like, I'm not in. Let's into, check it out, and then like everyone just keeps coming. Yeah, ever and since. that happens. Every person brings six friends or tells six people, and then it, it just kind of turns into what it is like today. a snowball effect. Yeah, and um, man, it it really felt like a movie stepping onto the strip that that first night. It was. Like I said, in those early days, pretty lawless. I think I saw like a, a 240 <laughs> like swinging up the street, just like drifting side, it's like so manging like, up the strip. I was like, okay, I feel like this is a movie. Like it, I, I don't like American Graffiti or something. Like like we're living that hot rodder lifestyle. Yeah, it really is though. And I would just yeah, completely hooked at that point. Have you missed any years since you started coming? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. When I first moved to California, I really had to focus on getting set up, and I stripped out any fun from my life. I was like, I have to save money. That must have been tough, man. I have to buy the cheap shampoo. I have to, like, really Eat watch ramen it. Noodles. You know, I really, I had to watch it. Like, I, I really played it safe. Um, and But, it, you know, for better or worse, so they'll come to the next year and, and really enjoy it. But, yeah, I missed a year. And then I missed another year where it was storming really, really I bad. didn't go to the storming year, and I'm glad I didn't because yeah. the people were just like, that was sucky. Yeah, like they weren't letting people in. It was mm-hmm. just yeah. the roads were closed. And people were just like hanging out inside of their hotels. Yeah, and it was just it's hurricane season. Yeah. Everyone knows on the East Coast, September is hurricane time. But dude, this weather is fucking This year we're spoiled. Gorgeous we're this really, year. really, really I think spoiled. this is the yeah. best weather we've had, man. I think so. I think it's really helped it's, the strip out a lot, It really too. has, yeah. But H2O will always mean a lot to me. I, I go back west, and I, I go to the guys there, and I, I try explaining it to people. They see my Instagram, obviously, and they're like, where were you? Dude, Cali people just don't come out to no, this. They, they, I, and I, they should. They really should. I, I, it's you, eye-opening. You could not replicate this on the west coast. I'm sorry, guys. There's no town like this. I, mm-hmm. It's all bought up. It's all private owned. Yeah. On the East Coast, the rental market is huge for for beach for yeah. beachfront. It's like hotels, restaurants, mom and pop yeah. stuff. In California, it's multi million dollar homes, every square inch of beachfront, or it's yeah. nat- national park. Well, I also feel like, uh, no, obviously, no discredit to the West Coast at all. I feel like the East Coast just has more of like a like a family sort of. There's thing a heart. To it. There's a different heart. There's out people here. actually like hanging out with each other and yeah. partying and stuff and. Don't get me wrong, man. The West Coast is cool. They got some sick builds out there. It's awesome. I love it. I, I, just I feel wouldn't like, be anywhere else. I wouldn't yeah, live anywhere else. Yeah, and it's, it's awesome. But I just feel like they go to their shows and then they go home. Yeah, they yeah. do. And yeah. they're, they're, their circles are, are great and they're small and they're OG crews out there, OG Who people. They're it. just a vibrant car community yeah. there. It's don't just a little bit more reckless out here. Out yeah. here, it's a little, I don't know if it's the laws being a little bit wider. We have a little bit more space, a little bit more elbow room. Uh, we also have seasons, which I think help yeah. compress the fun. And yeah, like, you, everyone nice lets months. out all their like energy, yeah. like in certain. I always times. try and tell people in California, like on the East Coast, a winter rebuild is like a common thing. People are like, "Oh, I'm redoing the car this winter. I'm, I'm, I'm doing something new for next but season." But in, Ca- in, Cal- yeah. in California and out west, it's like you're always they're like, always on. They're always, always on, on, which is great. I mean, I want to be 70 degrees in yeah. December and hang out in shorts on the on the street going to meets and stuff that's that's super cool but the east coast is has it's a different flavor yeah. man. there are there's obviously a lot of shows out there do you feel like you have to be very picky with what you go to uh no i think it, it, it gives you a great chance to get into all kinds of stuff you know like I, i've been to the cars and coffees i've been to meets at like the hot wheels headquarters it, it, a lot of really awesome builders out there very skilled shops the industry is there i mean Say what you want, the, the industry, the parts manufacturers, the importers of the cool Japanese stuff, they are there. So 
people have access to a lot of cool stuff, and you're, you're closer to the ports. People are getting Skylines, R34s, JCX100s. People are finding a way to make it happen. There's some sick shops building very respectable stuff, so it's really cool to see both on the tuner side and the old school side and the exotic side. The exotic yeah. side is really, really fantastic out there. It's, yeah. uh, it's really great to be a part of, and just you can go to any type of event you want. You don't have to be picky. You can... They're always open. They're always casual. The cars and coffees are really great. A lot of great uh, communities out there. Porsche stuff, Ferrari stuff. Celebrities go to these things. I've seen Jay Leno at car shows casually just hanging out. It, it's very, really, really cool to be a part of. That's awesome, man. So uh, are you uh, just out here this this uh, this weekend uh, in Ocean City to like work? Or are you doing any kind of work for, for, for the brand, or are you just here to just enjoy? I'm mostly here just to enjoy. You know, uh, it's, it's great for networking. I, a lot of my network is on the East Coast, being guys like you and just older friends that are also doing stuff within the industry. Always great to see them and catch up. And this is a great place. This is like almost like an unofficial SEMA. Like it's, yeah. people are de- debuting. And there's buildings. nothing like it, too. There's nothing like it. It's a great time of year. The weather is awesome. It's a great place. There's tons of places to eat and to, and to chill and to hang out and we all kind of know it's like an unspoken language. Like you're going to be there. Like you, we're all going to be there one day or something. So, well, we'll meet up there. We'll see you at HUO. We'll see you at HUO. And then, so I'm just out here just networking, um, really promoting the brand, wearing my shirt, being kind of casual about it. We're not doing a booth or anything at, at H2O. It's kind of hard to, you know, as we've seen stuff get shut down year after year mm. after year. Um, <laughs> a lot of pop-ups just don't happen anymore. So it wouldn't be the most strategic place for our brand to really pop up. But um, but it's a good t- place to come and network. Yeah, I've seen a ton of our wheels on the strip already. It's been really fulfilling to see that and see that uh, the wheels have been you know taken in by this community. And uh, Have you been doing any shoots with people that have your wheels? Or Yeah, we d- we've done a few, and we got a few more set up for tomorrow. A couple more guys are getting into town this week. But um, just from what we've seen on the strip so far, it's really been fantastic. Great to meet customers. People are hitting up our Instagram saying, we, we, please, let's set up a shoot, meet up out here. So we're, we're gathering great content as far as the work side of things and just seeing our wheels you know, in this, in this scene is, it really means a lot to us. Yeah, so, dude, you get to do quite a bit of traveling both for professional and, and for, you know, for leisure. Uh, you, just, you just recently were in Japan, man. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was all for the Kansei brand. I, uh, my good friend Grant, Grant Anderson, mm-hmm. Uh, he's a friend of a friend through Nate, one of our buddies. Uh, Grant was always a VW guy, and he started getting into drifting and really, really having a blast with it. So, being that Nate was a mutual friend, I'm like, hey, can you link me up with Grant? Like, I don't really, I, I need to uh, find out what this guy's into. This guy, like, I remember him from the VW days. I don't remember him. With from this Corrado, yeah, 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 right. And then um, always seeing him around, and he's an East Coast guy too. And yeah, I started talking to Grant and. He's like, oh, we're going to Japan. You to- totally got to come with. And I said, yeah, that I, we want to go get our wheels drifting in Japan. Please let let's go. Let's do so this, yeah, yeah, it was it was great. He told me exactly where to go and and showed me around. And we go to we went to Ebisu, which is a legendary racetrack complex out in Japan. And yeah, flew into Tokyo, drove four hours up. It was there for eight days at the track. And there's five or six tracks within the complex and. Grant and his buddies introduced me to a bunch of the international drifting community guys out there, people from Australia and the UK and um, even the US. So you're gonna, you think you're going to Japan, it's quite intimidating. And 
everyone's speaking English. We're having a great time. Was that, was that your first time in Japan? Absolutely, yeah. How first was time that? In Asia. How was it, man? It was very, the night before, I got to say, it was a little bit, a little bit nervous. I, uh, you know, don't really know much about the language or uh, getting around, but technology these days really made it easy. Uh, I took some wheels with me to take to the track, and we... Yeah, we, I saw that, man. Yeah, we, I got a rental car. We drove all the way up there, met the guys. We started drifting the day I got there. It was I was riding along, getting content. We were putting the wheels to the test. There was a 36-hour drift Matsuri during that time. So that's the main reason I went is to see the put our wheels to the test on a Japanese track. What more validation could you want for a Japanese-focused yeah, brand to be drifting in Japan? It really meant a lot to me to just uh, nail it as far as marketing-wise, getting those wheels out there and, and having that in our back pocket, like, hey, we're, we're drifting on, a, on Japanese legendary tracks with our wheels. It just adds a lot of validity to the brand. And it performed beautifully. We had a great time out there. Met a lot of great international people. And, um, yeah, I was, we were at the track for four days, and I went down to Tokyo for two days to myself. But, um, yeah, it was, it was all for the brand. Met Andrew at Power Vehicles, which is a, a shop and a rental service and uh, a place right on site there that does – you can buy a vehicle from them. A lot of these guys from the U.S. are buying vehicles from this place called Power Vehicles, and they will buy it back from you whenever you like. So you can own a vehicle in Japan, not street legal, but to use on their tracks as much as you like. And then sell it back. And then sell it back for some of the value. I mean, obviously, these, it's a drift car, so it's not coming back without a scratch. But, um, yeah, I learned all about this very, very fascinating uh, drifting world over in Japan that's Americans, international people are doing. You can go drift in Japan. Anyone else could do this too. You go on power vehicles and pick out what you want from a super stock JZX90 all the way up to a competition D1 car. You can you can buy, wow. and then they'll teach you, or you can just go on your tracks. Sign and your then eventually, it. then you would give, you give it back. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could sell it back to them, but you know, uh, no guarantee or keep uh, it. <laughs> that. Uh, or you can keep it. Yeah. So a lot of these guys now are, are doing like it's almost like snowboarding, where you've done all you could in the U.S. You know, and you're like, I'm gonna step my game up. I'm going to the Swiss Alps, or I'm going to Canada. Like I'm gonna. This is like it. Yeah. yeah this, as far as the hobby goes, as far as the drift hobby goes, and and, and as far as a financial commitment goes, as far as track time in the U.S. versus track time over there. I mean, yes, buying a vehicle in a foreign country sounds quite intimidating to a lot of people, but when you look at and you break down, like these guys are Grant and his friends, they're drifting like eight, ten hours, twelve hours a day, nonstop. I'm sure Just, he's gotten like really good. Oh, as far as yes, yeah, it's, it's a pressure cooker for your skill and. These platforms are drifting over there. The, JZ, the Toyota JZX90 Chasers and Tours are just factory-built drift cars. It's, it's a four-door car. You can keep all your spare parts in it. All you need is tires and gas, and you're just... The cars are very simple, a little bit of cooling upgrades, a little bit of suspension upgrades, maybe an angle kit, some arms, uh, and you're out Pretty there having quite fun. Simple, yeah, yeah, a seat in a cage is, of course, required. Helmet, too? Or? Helmet required, yeah. of course, yeah. yeah of course. Um, and these... To perfect your craft, if you're into drifting and really wanting to, you know, just get good at a sport you're very passionate about and committed to, because it's it's not for everybody to, like I said, own a vehicle in a foreign country and beat the crap out of it. But um, it was just fantastic for our brand to get out there and, and receive that that acceptance and and meet contacts over there and see these wheels and are the cars just drift around the clock. Like I said the that must have been like 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 such a milestone <laughs> oh, uh, yeah I, I thought it was, it was paramount to the brand um and 
these are things that you can do strategically early on to just really solidify your brand's intentions and its background. It's, I think it's, it's important for anyone to really tap into strategic moves to just cement a brand's image. Yeah, man. Cool, dude. So, yeah, on the topic of traveling, what's a place you've never been to that you're like that's sort of on your bucket list or on your radar? Australia. Australia. For sure, yeah. And uh, I, more, I felt that more and more as I got to Japan and, and went between Tokyo and Ebisu, once I was out there and made that 11-hour flight, I'm like, man, you're on the other side of the world. It'd be cool to keep going. Mm-hmm. Like, It'd be cool just to like do a tour. But yeah, I think Australia is on my list. Yeah, next. that's on definitely on my list. Yeah, too. Like for the nature and for the car. Yeah. Excuse me, the car culture. I think it could be really, really fascinating. Yeah, to get definitely, man. So, dude, collaborating is, is a definitely a big part of like anything that anybody does, whether it's like artistic or or just anything. Tell us about like the recent collaboration that you just did with Halcyon and and uh, Conte Wheels. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, um, working with Halcyon in the early New York days when I lived there, I'd always admired his drive and his skill and his ability to convey his ideas visually through his medium of uh, high definition video for this scene. And man, Ant really, really takes a lot of pride in the music and the. Uh, imagery the angles the lighting he's really a craftsman and extremely dedicated to that craft so i've always respected that and i always knew that there would be a time where we could work together on a project to uh, he helped me out extremely early on some people might have caught a sempec wheels little video that i shot myself (laughs) it's on my instagram i think if you scroll far far back i shot when i was putting together that first set of wheels i shot a bunch of clips on a tripod handheld or on a tripod of myself filming myself i got a had a bunch of clips that i did nothing with for two years and i gave them to halcyon i said i will pay you can you please turn this into something for me with a song and he did which was great and then had that in my back pocket and i always knew that when the time was right we could really do something big together so uh yeah we picked a car that really suited the brand well which was uh jay's excuse me, Albert's uh, RX-7, it's yellow FD. And Anthony and I really wrote out, like, where are we going to do this? I want to do it in Manhattan. I want to do it at night. I always love the vibe of um, the city at night. Yeah, and that turned out great, man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, uh, we, we, we scoped out everything. We picked a song together, and it was a true collaboration as far as uh, Justin from Flips Go also helped us, a lot, uh, helped us out a lot, coordinating everything. We used his shop. Um, I unfortunately couldn't be there for the shoot, but... Having that great communication, that great background, and that trust in Anthony really let me know that yeah, hey, we could make something really special. And then he just like ran with it. And he like, did, absolutely. Out. Yeah, I, I said, I, I really don't want to be another cook in the kitchen on this. I fully trust your creative creativity and your vision. So here's a few basics of what we want. You know, we, we got to show the wheels. Uh, like I said, I'm very particular on the curation of any brand and how to market something very strategically. So I said... These are a few things that we need, but the rest is on you. Don't ask me anything. I'll help you on the song, but I fully trust you on this. Go for it. And yeah, uh, came to it came to be a, a great video. We we're just thrilled with the way it looked, and it really conveyed the aesthetic of the brand and the quality we like to represent as far as a company and a um, a branding standpoint. And yeah, we, we couldn't be couldn't be happier with the collaboration. How did you guys roll that out? We. Uh, Worked together on having a proper uh, schedule as far as Anthony's side. And, uh, you know, with any collaboration, I think it's important to respect each other's creative takes and each other's content schedules. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of days, uh, a lot of times these days, a, a viewer can be very 
you know, cautiously um, almost tuned into what's organic and what's not. So the relationship I said with Anthony was always, you know, uh, friendly and, and fantastic. So we, we rolled this out as far as like the Instagram story teasers, uh, you know, full blown behind the scenes back when they were shooting it. We, I think it was on 4th of July weekend. They were, they were up super late at night, but they, they sent me some clips. We, we like to, you know, tease that and then it came out just a few weeks ago and, yeah, it was a it was a full blown launch, and I actually uh, to put a little icing on the cake got a 3D animation. Shout out to Ethan for um, doing this fantastic animation of our logo and sort of a, the blueprints of the wheel coming together, showing that merge of art and engineering. Oh, you ended up going with Ethan Watson. Absolutely, oh, yeah, cool. yeah, and that's another fan, just amazing person who was able to catch our ideas early on. I made a little storyboard for him, but uh, yeah. Very optimistic about the project and got us back something. Yeah, with, dude, he did week. the intro for my podcast, Can I Beats, and he used to shoot for Can I Beat, and then now I'm having him work with stuff with my my day job. Like, oh great, we, yeah, we 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 commissioned him a couple times to do stuff for like the firm that I work for, and just an overall super talented guy. Very very talented. I knew he was talented when I gave him just my a, a very dude. crude uh, Photoshop storyboard of what I wanted. He said, this is great. Let's do this. You know, a true professional creative just, you know, gave on point details and insight. And we, we came up with something I think is very, very special. And um, you'll see it. We're going to use it. I thought it was very important to use it at the beginning and end of all of our videos to really just elevate the brand. You know, yeah. the, these little small touches really go a long way. So uh, working with him was just a, a dream come true. Couldn't have been smoother. He was even on a work trip for, for part of the project. Still, still nailed it. And uh, I think he gave us something we're really happy with. So, yeah. yeah, that was used in Halcyon's video. And, yeah, we're live on, on Halcyon's channel now. And we have another video project in the works. So we're, we're very excited to announce that and start working on that soon, too. So look forward to another video between awesome. Kansei and, and Halcyon. But I think collaborations are extremely instrumental as far as yeah. branding uh, with another brand that coincides with what you're into. Hell, yeah, man. So let's, let's talk about a little bit about lifestyle. Um, which do you prefer more, living on the East Coast or the West Coast? Man, that's a tough question. And why? That is really hard. I've been on. I've been living in California for five years now. I lived in I lived in Virginia for you know twenty five years. So definitely the better part of my life growing up here. They both have their pluses and minuses, man. I I, I will say living on the West Coast is my preferred. If I had to pick one, I'm going to say the West Coast. And what do you miss about the East Coast? Anything? I miss the ease of it. Life feels a little bit easier over here, you know, um, from getting around to the cost of living to um, family. <laughs> family, yeah, my family's all here, which is definitely um, pulls on my heartstrings for sure, being away from my parents that long and in my network as far as family. But um, yeah, they both have their pluses and minuses. But for what I'm into and what I'm passionate about, and for your about, career, and the for West my Coast. future, my like my personal development. The most potential lies in California for my industry and um, what I'm trying to do. But I'm very fortunate now to have friends on both coasts. So, and my family's here. So I bounce back and forth quite a bit. I think I'll be back for first class fitment in less than a week, which is <laughs> crazy. Kind of, but right? like I said, it's only a five hour flight. You, you can muscle through that and, um, and enjoy yourself. It's great. I think a lot of people in this car hobby are bouncing back and forth between uh, coasts, both professionally and for pleasure. What's a typical day like for you? Get up pretty early. My girlfriend and I get up very, very early. Um, she works early. I like to get into the office early. Um, 
wake up. Sometimes I'll work out. I've been slacking off on that a little bit recently. Definitely focused on constant stuff and uh, managing things at work, but get to work early. Um, drink lots of black coffee. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very into black coffee. Iced in California, we like it iced. So I definitely taken up on that. And uh, yeah, I, I will grind through emails and then do what I ever have to do at work. Try and squeak out for lunch. Um, I feel like that break is always important. It's nice. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't. You know, sometimes it can take you out of things. But yeah, I, I like to get out. And then uh, yeah, usually work well after other people go home and, and stick around and, and try and get things done. Sometimes it's nice to be there after others go home and just to get that quiet time and, and focus on some of those more creative things where you, it's a little bit better to be not as distracted. And then some this summer I've been going surfing after work. So that's been really, Part really of your refreshing. Typical day. Yeah. It's California day. You know, it sounds tough. I know <laughs> you could do that on the East coast too. If you, if you live close enough, but um, yeah, and then on weekends, I'm usually going to car shows or doing something car related or doing something nature related um, outside around California. Yeah. What's been the biggest lesson you've learned about your craft during these last few years? Patience. You got to be patient. You can't, you can't, you can rock the boat. You can push things as far as you want to go, but things are going to happen at a, at a certain time, you know, whether, whether it be something big or small. You got to be patient and, and things come to light. Things come together. I, I am a very impatient person. I order something. I want it to show up the next day when something comes together. But the best things always happen when you're patient. You know, sometimes it's almost better that things get delayed. It's better to have more time to think about things. When you take a step back, you're like, oh, that was a better time for that. You know, like, oh, wow. Um, you know, you just, you just realize these things as you go along. But Patience. If I could sum it up into one word, it's definitely yeah, be that's patient. Key, yeah, don't rush the process. Don't don't strain relationships because you uh, have a certain thing in mind. Be flexible and just be patient, and it really goes a long way. What is your best advice for somebody just starting with some sort of you know whether it be an artistic talent or something that they're into, and maybe they have a passion for cars, maybe maybe they don't. What 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 would you say to that person? Live it. Live your brand, live your vision, live what you're trying to do. Just let people know that you're about that, whether it be on your Instagram page or what you talk about and within your circles of friends, be known as that person in that group of friends. It goes a long way. It goes beyond that group of friends. It goes beyond your professional network. Be known as the blank for that thing. Just be known as, just be transparent. If you're passionate about it, you shouldn't be mind just shouting it from a rooftop or whatever you have to do. Bring it up. Don't be obnoxious, but just let people know that you're passionate about it. I think it, it comes through, and I think people really enjoy hearing what other people are passionate about. I think it, it could really benefit you in the long run to just live whatever you're trying to do, whether it's make your own magazine or, or just be about it. Just please live it and just don't be afraid to just don't keep it off to the side. Like, oh, I don't, I'm just not ready to show anyone. Just live it. it and yeah. Take on projects for free. Do whatever you can. Help your friends out within reason. You know, don't don't let them take advantage yeah, don't, of you. Don't, you know, keep well. Sometimes, you, sometimes that happens. That's how you learn. You know, always be mindful of self improvement and just live your brand. Live your brand for sure. Whatever it might be. Those are some good words. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years? Still designing wheels. Absolutely taking Conse to a more global brand with more fitments. Um, becoming. That household name for for Kansai, being a performance wheel brand with fitment for everybody, colors for everybody, 
and just really curating a very specially crafted brand that I think would garner a lot of respect from car communities across various platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sort of being like the the NK of of the scene. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Yeah. So, dude, it's been a good time. Um, I'm all out of questions. Oh. Uh, every you know. Loved hearing your story, man. Thank I you, found man. A Thank lot, you for a lot, Yeah, me. of course, dude. I found out a lot of things that I like didn't know. Oh, And yeah. I thought I knew you pretty well because oh, we're, right, we're yeah. pretty good friends. Yeah, we couldn't go back 10 years. Yeah, I know, man. Crazy. Um, do you have any like shout outs or any closing thoughts before we wrap this up? Oh, yeah. I could I could shout out people till, the, till I'm blue in the face. <laughs> uh, I love all my, all my East Coast friends, everyone that, that has helped me out along the way. You know, Terry at Fortune, Halcyon. All, all the video, everyone at Can I Beat, like, I, you know, you guys have always helped me out. Like, it's one of the reasons we're, we're still such good friends today, going to all your events. Uh, my parents are great, always being super supportive. My sister, even. My girlfriend, uh, that's my super tight-knit circle right there. My girlfriend's wildly supportive of what I do. That's I think it's very, <laughs> I, yeah, if I had time to touch on that, I would, that your significant other in your life should definitely be receptive and you should be open with them with your goals and intentions for life. And, and theirs as well, yeah. And theirs as well. It, it, it goes both ways. It's extremely healthy no matter what industry you're in, whatever whatever you're trying to start, your significant other should be in your corner and you should be in their corner to just support no matter what your dreams are. Yeah, I man. think it's, it, it's instrumental to your life and your happiness in the long run. Cool, man. Yeah, yeah so dude, but before, before we wrap this up, man, just... Let everybody know, man, like where they can find out about your wheels, what you, with the, you know, the models you guys have, just whatever, man. And yeah, then, absolutely. We'll, we'll so Raceline Wheels is our parent company. It's just a fantastic brand. It's been going on since 96. They have tons of products for your truck and your SUV, your off-road racing. And then more specifically, Kansei Wheels, which I am the brand manager of. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on YouTube. We've done various collaborations. We have a website. You can purchase directly from our website. We have more fitments coming along the way. We, we're listening to all the customers' feedback. Don't get me wrong. Well, I want to make wheels for every platform. We're, we're getting to it. We're going to be around a very long time, a very, very long time. So don't worry. More stuff is coming. We have very exciting wheels in the works. I think some designs that are really going to have people excited. So, uh, yeah, just, just check us out all over the Internet. And then uh, if you need a catalog, just let me know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, dude, this has been awesome, man. Thank um, you so much. It's been man. really cool seeing like, you know, you evolve as a person over the years. And I want to just say like, congratulations on all your success. Thank and you it's going to be man. cool to see like, you know, where we are a year from now. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm very excited. I'm very optimistic about the future. I think oh, the best way to have a fun future is just to create it. And I have some really cool ideas in mind for not only myself, but this car community that I'm very passionate about. Yeah, man. And uh, I really want to listen to what everyone's into and really make the best product that I feel that I would, you know, I want to create the art that I would like to see in the world. So um, that's what I'm going to keep doing for this car community that I care very much about and definitely for Virginia too. Yeah, man. VA. (laughs) Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks dude for doing this. I know we've been talking about this for a while. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Um, And I really hope that people, you know, get to hear your story and and, and had your come up. And uh, yeah, this has been Christian Loza with House on Podcast with Chris Sempic. Thanks, man. All right. Have a good one. Cool, man. <sighs> that was awesome. Wow. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude. That I was like awesome. zoned in there. Like, I didn't even right? know. Like, I forgot where we were. Right? Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, man. Dude, two hours. No way. Yeah, dude. We're at a one. F- 54. Oh my gosh, that man. That was cool. That flew by. Dude, I, we were like talking about some shit that I was like, damn, I forgot.
don't know. Yeah, man. Oh, I, I could have gone into so much more. Yeah, dude. Like, we'll, we'll have to do another one, man. Yeah, I got... I. Uh, dude, I interview people that I just want to talk to again, man. That, that, like, that's that, been the whole thing with the podcast, man. It's like, I don't, like, talk to anybody unless I, like, have intentions to just, like, keep up with them. That man. You know, the, the podcast I listen to the most, that's what he always says. Like, I can't find two hours to sit down. Like, you don't have lunch It's got to be, like, a special person, I feel like. And obviously, you know... You fit the bill. Oh, thank you, man. So I, 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 yeah. That really makes me feel good because I've been chasing like my dreams, like and passions for so long. Like, yeah. I don't. I never. <laughs> I was like, hearing that like during the. <laughs> yeah, I was, it's gonna pick it up. It's all good. I was like, uh, at I'm least gonna, nobody came I'm in. Like, hey. keep, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, that was cool, man. Thanks a lot. For no, doing thank this, man. you. This man. Was, this I, been I, fun, I just feel honored. Dude, I've never done an interview or anything. First like, interview. Well, I've done. I did one for like something small, but I've never like. Yeah, that was good, man. You did great, dude. Oh, I, I, I love talking. So yeah, I, I, I'm also very passionate about what I'm into. So I just, yeah, yeah, dude, and it, and it showed, dude. Going. That was great, dude. Was that like, was awesome. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't take a sip of your water. Oh, I, I forgot, man. I, <laughs> I was zoned in.